I'm worried about Diego. He needs to fire that fucking yayo. With the fire selection and the fire reflections, this is fighting with myself. Oh oh oh, fighting with myself. Oh 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 yeah. What is up, everybody? Welcome to the Fighting with Myself podcast, the podcast for the above-average MMA fan, hosted by an above-average man. And I am that man. My name is Juice. And if this is your first time listening, welcome aboard. It's a crazy fucking ride. And uh, we had some weird-ass fights last night at Rio Rancho. Not gonna lie. A lot of times I like to be a little bit, uh, I don't know, defending of the UFC. Not defending, but I don't know what the right word is. Basically, it takes it takes a really bad card for me to say something negative about it. And this, this card was fucking weird. Main card was kind of shit. And uh, without further ado, let's get into it. Prelims were, were amazing, though. Um, we had, uh, as far as what I'm going to talk about, standouts to me. Um, Macy Chasson uh, defeating Shanna Wood. Now, I was all ready for Macy to steamroll this chick. And... She was not ready to be a stepping stone. Shanna was, wasn't. I mean, she put it on Macy in the first round. This is what, uh, five days notice. Um, now I think Macy still won every round, but the first round was close. And I think really the biggest factor was probably the fact that this fight was at elevation. Um, so even if you're, you know, have good cardio, if you're still in shape, uh, and you're fight ready, but you haven't been sort of training for elevation, um, you you might not be you might not fare that well in the in the cardio department because your muscles are just they fill up with uh, lactic acid and, and and all that stuff quicker. So really impressed with with her for uh, still still making a dog fight later in the third round. And uh, Macy Macy looked good getting back on track after that loss to uh, Lena Landsberg, which was kind of unfortunate. Uh, moving on, I had uh, Dodson John Dodson. Knocking the shit out of Nathaniel Wood. Sorry, Brits. We love Nathaniel Wood, but he fucking got knocked the hell out. And it sucks, too, because I, I want to talk about something. I, I wrote, I literally wrote this note. I don't often make notes on fight night. I sort of let myself digest them the next day and then kind of gather my thoughts. But what I wrote down uh, during this fight was I want to talk about the ref involvement. This guy was, like, on his whistle for everything, which normally I love. Initially, like, I kind of wrote down to be like, oh, wow, this guy's fucking doing his thing, and then it was like every little thing to where it kind of, like, I don't know, shifted momentum in the fight, and I was like, dude, come on, and certainly there were, there were like, um, uh, was this the fight that there were a bunch of dick kicks? I think so, but, um, for the most part, it was, it was really that big, um, I want to say it was a it was a left hand, whatever that that big shot that Dotson threw, which which knocked Nathaniel out, and uh, a lot of people were saying it was an early stoppage. I'm not so convinced. Uh, it really wasn't uh, much getting out of there, and, and look look to me, he was out uh, on the feet when that when that big shot came. Don, John Dotson hits fucking hard, dude. And I remember tweeting this before the fight. It was because he shaved the afro, dude. Short hair Dotson is a killer. Afro Dotson, not not having that. But uh, I'm excited for him to get back on track because I, w- I was afraid if he if he lost this he would either get cut or try and go back down to flyweight and uh, for for someone who's has as many fights as he had 
I don't think you know the drastic weight cuts are are good for him anymore. So I'm really excited that he's going to hopefully stick around in the bantamweight division. Um, someone that surprised me a lot was Daniel Rodriguez. Man, I'm a Tim Means fan. I love the way he fights. You know, the Dirty Bird. Um, got that name for a fucking reason. I mean, especially this was his hometown. He's from uh, the Albuquerque area, I believe, or at least, you know, in that sort of area. And he fucking... The first round was was pretty pretty dominant for Tim Means, although Daniel started to turn the tide towards the end. At least, like, the first half of the round was, was definitely Tim Means. And uh, I was like, okay, this is what I expected. And then Daniel Rodriguez, just like with Shane it's like he didn't get the fucking memo. He was like, I'm not going to be, uh, you know, a way for this guy to get a win from his hometown crowd. I'm not just like food for the dirty bird. Shout out to Rhino. Um, but I was like, dude, he put it on him. And Daniel Rodriguez was then in the next round piecing him up and eventually got this like standing guillotine, which is hard. And he locked it up tight. Damn near popped Tim Means' head off. So uh, looking forward to this uh, this gentleman a lot uh, uh, as far as his UFC career goes. Now, the next fight, uh, that was a little, so that, that's it for the prelims. And then the main card, you know what? I almost don't even want to talk about all these fights in the main card because a lot of them were just so, I'm even mad. Like some of these fights, like, so we open up with Lando Vedana versus Yancey Medeiros, right? And everyone was expecting like, oh, dude, this is going to be fight of the night and I don't even know if they got Friday night because I'm I'm looking back like what else would you give it to other than maybe Macy Chasson and Shanna Wood, which if they did, kudos to them. But uh, you know, Lando Venata really used his footwork and angles to sort of shut Yancey down for the majority of this fight, which was great. I mean, you love to see it. Um, I was pumped as hell when Lando won, but I was I was really wanting like I don't know. It's so spoiled of us. To, I feel like to uh, to be like a just bleed guy to be like, what the fuck, man? You know, but. Um, there, there's a lot of, uh, there, there was a lot of, um, I don't know, smart fighting, which, which you love to see. And it's funny because, uh, I was actually listening to the pre-show, uh, before this fight, which I don't often do, but they had Yancey Medeiros on and he was saying how they both just basically like to get in there and brawl. And he said he has a feeling that it, this is so weird, um, that it kind of came true. He said he had a feeling that they were both trying to make it a technical battle and uh, keep the other one on their P's and Q's. And it actually looked like Yancey was trying to brawl. It looked like he was trying to engage Lando in sort of a, uh, a firefight, but Lando wasn't having it. He was sticking and moving. He looked really good in there. Um, and, and, and I'm cautiously optimistic because that's been kind of the story of Lando, right? He'll he'll get a big win where we'll be like, man, this guy's the next thing, or, or at least like a you know hot prospect. Not the next thing, but you know what I mean. Um, where he looked really good. And then the next fight, he'll just shit the bed. Or he'll, he'll just come up with like, you know, a really tough task that he's not ready for. So I really hope that uh, this is a new Lando, that he can implement this style, you know, in uh, in all of his fights. Because if he can, boy, that would be amazing. And then you had Ray Borg versus uh, Rogerio Bontorin. Now, I do want to give a shout out to my man Rhino again. I even shout him out earlier. I was uh, I was listening to his podcast right before I started recording, um, and. You know, he says something that I, I agree with, which is that missing weight, especially by the amount that Ray Borg did, um, it's almost like cheating. And it's not intentional, or usually it's not, but 
it's still coming in with it with an unfair advantage and it kind of showed i mean he was the he was the heavier guy in there and he was able to kind of out grapple him you know which it which is credit to him and, and it sucks because he robbed himself of the uh extra praise he could be getting right because if he had made weight we would we would be saying how dominant he was and how like you know he's back at flyweight and this whole thing now it's like dude Get your fat ass to bantamweight and stop missing weight, dude. Or double down on your fucking promise that you made, which was the last time he missed weight, he was going to say, if I miss weight again, I will leave MMA. His whole fucking post-fight interview was him begging for his job. Did you notice that? He was like, hey, Dana White, Sean Shelby, I'm sorry. Thank you for the opportunity. Uh, please don't cut me. Basically, like, not for those exact words, but... Oh my God. I was like, bro. And even afterward, he said, um, yeah, I'm still going to stay a flyweight. I just need to make the right adjustments. Don't turn into fucking Sajari Eubanks, dude. Don't turn into the Sajari Eubanks of fly of, of, of men. Like what the fuck, man? Sorry. I sound like butt on the canvas. What the fuck, man? Seriously. Ray Borg. Needs to be a bantamweight. And that's it, dude. I'm not feeling questions on that. Ray Borg needs to be a bantamweight. End of fucking discussion. Case closed. That's it. Don't get a fucking different nutritionist. Just fucking move up, dude. That's it. Now he had to give up a percentage of his purse, I'm sure. And his family need that money, man. I said last week, I love rooting for Ray Borg because of his story, because of the shit he went through with his son. Just absolutely heartbreaking. Heart smashing. I mean, I fucking lost my shit when, when he was going through that. And the fact that he you know came back last last fight, as Joe Box would say, I was peeling onions, dude. And then now this, I'm like, Ray Borg, you are not doing yourself any favors. Get the fuck on with with that weight class. You don't need it, dude. I guess it's because flyweight is is less deep of a division. I mean, there's only 14 guys in the division for Christ's sake. But like you hate to see it. But a dominant performance for him nonetheless. I hope that um if he does keep his job, that uh, it'll be a Calvin Gaston situation where they'll be like, hey, dude, next contract we're giving you is at Bantamweight, and if you don't want to sign it, here's your fucking walking papers. And I'm sorry, but he just needs some tough love right now. This comes from a place of love, Ray Borg. And now we get on this Brock Weaver fight. Man, I was super excited for the, for the Brock Weaver fight. I love the way this guy talks. Um, I love his energy. I love his fighting style. And I got to say, shamelessly, um, I have a little bit of Cherokee blood in me, which I'm very proud of. Um, and so when he came up with that headdress, I was like, fucking like, yeah, dude. Yeah. I was sitting there like the goddamn clip that Yugi spams all the time. I was like, oh, we getting super hyped for this Brock Weaver fight. And this guy Vargas, uh, Again, was like, not going to be a stepping stone. You know, didn't get the memo. He was like, this isn't a Brock Weaver coming out party. This is a motherfucking Kazula, whatever the fuck his name is, Vargas coming out party. And he came in like a bat out of hell. 
Um, there was one point where, where Brock Weaver had like a sub attempt, but I don't know if that was, I forget what that was, the guillotine when he was taken down. I don't remember feeling like Vargas was in danger, but um, Brock Weaver was certainly trying. And then this motherfucker comes up and hits him with an illegal knee when they're on the ground, dude. They they showed the re the replay in slow mo. He got air off of that. It was like the fucking when um, no, I'm not gonna say that because that's uh, a bad example to use. But it, he lifted like the knee, like came up under fucking Brock Weaver's chin, and it just like made him bounce on the canvas a little bit. Uh, and later on in the night, I was thinking. No, we'll get there uh, when we get there. But with this illegal knee, the ref ended it so quick. And I guess it was like, basically, if it was a legal knee, this is how I've, I've come to rationalize it in my mind, uh, at least try to understand his thought process. I, I was thinking that the reason why it was so quick was because um, if if the knee had, had been legal, they would have called the five because he was out. Um, because it didn't seem like they asked him if he could continue. They were just like, whoa. He's fucking out and you're out, dude. Like disqualification. And it sucks because if he had recovered from that and came back and win, it would have been a hell of a story. Like this isn't what Brock Weaver wanted in his UFC debut. You know, he gets one in the win column and that's ultimately when they look back on his record, you know, it's just going to show, you know, that he won that fight basically. But the story of the fight is he was getting uh, his ass whooped a little bit, uh, not not like egregiously, but it was a fucking you know, one-way traffic for a good portion of that round. And uh, you hate to see it. Even Brock Weaver was like, I don't want to win this way. So um, I don't hope they run it back. I actually hope, you know what I hope? Um, I saw someone on Twitter, I think it was that that guy that calls himself like a, I don't know, Kyle Johnson or whatever the fuck. Caposa retweeted it. That's how I saw it. But he was like saying, petition for Vargas to go to Ryzen or one. And I was like, yeah, dude, get that guy out of here. Because if you, if you can't, fight under the rule set that you're in and there there was no way like Brock wasn't on his way up like that was just a fucking blatant foul I was like hey dude you see these rules fuck him and he need he need the crap out of him and so uh they should send that guy to to Ryzen or one and um and get uh give Brock Weaver a new a new body get him some more food I love that term, even though I hate it because it reminds me of boxing. Um, now, we get to Montana De La Rosa. Uh, the Montana De La Rosa versus Mara Romero Borella fight. hope I'm pronouncing that right. Maybe my friend uh, Antonio from Twitter will, will let me know. Mara Romero Borella. Bellissima. Um, so racist. Uh, but Montana De La Rosa, uh, earlier in the night, uh, you you probably know her husband fought Mark De La Rosa. And uh, I was like, man, it's going to be so cool if uh, he gets the win. And, and I kind of thought that um, if if he did win, I, I, I was thinking it would be pretty sure that she would win just because I didn't see her losing that f th this fight anyway. I said the only thing that would I think would make her lose would be as if her husband lost, especially badly earlier in the night, it could shake her up. Um and that's what happened. He got stopped. It was either the first or the second round. Uh, he got stopped in his fight. And wow. Kudos to her for not letting it bother me. Like, I was seriously like, okay, awesome. 
she did not look like it bothered her one bit. That just shows you like mental toughness, you know. That's uh that's the, the uh, so it sounds so cheesy and so corny, but it's like that's the mind of a champion. That's the heart the heart of a heart of a champion. Uh, I mean, to to not let your husband getting knocked out bother you, dude. I that would not happen for me. I can just tell you straight up, like whatever, like I witnessed, uh, you know, if 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 my my wife was was fighting, and uh, she fought earlier in the night and got stopped, I would be fucking shook. So kudos to Montana. And now we've come to the co-main event. Diego Sanchez versus Michelle Pajeda. Okay, so the best part of this was Diego walking in super fucking slow, peacocking like a motherfucker, like just like all slow with his chest puffed out and like not breaking eye contact from Michelle and just being like, this is my fucking house. I was like, I was so ready, dude. I was like, yeah, Diego, yeah. And then... The fight starts. Uh, Diego comes out with like a rolling thunder or something like that, which if you don't know, it's like where you kind of do like a front flip, kind of, well, not front, but like a front roll kind of somersault, and you try and hit them on the way down with, with your uh, with your heel. And um, completely missed. And I was like, fuck. Like at first I was like, okay, great. This is this is what I wanted because I thought Diego, I thought Diego's game plan would just be to sort of match uh, his crazy energy. Like, uh, I used to work at a at a, uh, a car dealership in L.A., and my boss was uh, Israeli. And whenever somebody would come acting crazy, he'd be like, "You got too much crazy with crazy." He'd be like, "Crazy always work." And <laughs> I was like, "That's gonna be the fucking strategy, the fucking Yoram strategy." And um, eventually, eventually, that did not happen. Diego was being super patient or tentative. Can't tell. And Michelle was just styling on him, just doing his damn thing. Um, like, And there was times then when Diego would like try and run and blitz him, but Michelle would just run backward. And I'd be like, damn, that's fucking athletic as shit. And uh, it was basically everything you want in a Michelle Pajeda fight, uh, except for you want uh, what happened to not happen, which is, I believe in the third round, uh, I believe in the third round, Michelle hit him with basically the same sort of style of knee from the Brock Weaver fight. Same thing. Up against the cage. Coming up. Hits him with the knee. And oh my god dude. This one wasn't as bad. In terms of impact. In terms of how it affected Diego. Um, like it certainly wasn't. Uh, from up under the chin. Like the other one was. I think it maybe connected with his forehead or something. Because it looked like it opened up a cut. And uh, blood was coming down. Although some people are saying maybe that happened earlier. But either way. I think it was still probably in that same vein. And uh, Yeah. You know, by now, they stopped the fight. And this is what I was going to say earlier. It looked like, initially, I thought it was a story of, like, uh, uh, what happens when a seasoned uh, ref, you know, refs a fight versus um, a, a new ref. Because I, 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 without even knowing the other gentleman's backstory, I can say by by far, you know, uh, Jason Herzog, who was the ref in that fight, has had, more, you know, much more experience at a high level than he has. Um and the, and the fact that he stopped the, the other one so quickly, and, and this one, Jason Horgan is like, it's something to strike. Take your five minutes. You know, I'm, I'm part. He separated them, went to the neutral corner, and I was like, okay, okay, fucking okay. Let's 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 see how this plays out. And then immediately, like they bring in the doctor, and Diego is like, eh, for those, you know, 
or if I if I if I say I can continue, it's a DQ, right? And Jason Herzog was not having that. He was he was not about to say, "Hey, here's what's going to happen. Uh, I'm going to call a DQ and it's a win." He just like, Don't, we'll, "We'll let the commission sort that out. You but you tell me, can you continue?" And I, that took a few times because Jago wanted to like be certain he wasn't going to get like a no contest or whatever. He was like, "Hey." Is it a DQ or not? And, and basically, eventually, he like, I think he knew what was going to happen. He took his chances. He said, "Yeah, it was an illegal strike. I can't continue." And so he got the win. You know, albeit controversially. And uh, what sucks about this is we're not we're not going to uh, be able to say you know, oh, Michelle finally came back because that's what happened. I mean, Michelle had a great performance. Um, and and I don't like when it comes to legal strikes. Yeah, you fucked up. Like, even though Diego is the one that ultimately took the out on that, and uh, you know people are gonna say people people are calling him a bitch. People are saying he he quit, and I'm not gonna argue. Uh, I'm certainly not gonna say that. Uh, that's just not me. Um, I mean, I certainly don't have like a, a reverence for Diego uh, as much as other people because at this point it's become hard to watch. It, it's like. Hey guy, you've been you've been in this longer than fucking anybody, literally, uh, longest tenure in the UFC, um, and you you're not winning anymore. You're you're not you're not doing what you should be doing to these guys, um, or or what what Prime Diego would have done to those guys in in, in any case. And what sucks is if he had a good corner. Maybe he could have come back in the second and third round and been more dominant. Greg Jackson would have had a much better game plan than motherfucking Fabian with with the fucking oh, st- keep it sticky or whatever the fuck, uh, the crack the coconut guy from the Kissify. Oh my God! And I'm gonna say it because there's some great questions in the forum about it. I mean, literally there was like there's like six in a row that are about Diego. So we're we're gonna get there. But my God, this this was a fucking shit show and a half. And I, do I want them to run it back? Hell no. But I hope they don't cut Michelle um, because he's good for the UFC, dude. He's good for the UFC. Um, if if anything, uh, they should uh, they should get Diego out of it. I don't know. You you just you hate to see it. You really do. And now we have the uh, main event, and I, I gotta say, I was completely fucking wrong on this, and I'll I'll, I'll gladly eat the crow. Um, Jan Bohovic knocked the fuck out of Corey Anderson. I mean, really, they they were in some exchanges. I thought honestly it was gonna be more of the same. I thought Corey was gonna dominate him in, in the wrestling, especially, and uh, and get and get a nice maybe third or fourth round finish. Nope. They came. They came exchanging in the pocket. Corey gets inside, throws a leg kick, and runs right into a fucking nasty uppercut from Jan. And that was all she wrote. It was lights fucking out. And Jan did the right thing. He capitalized on his mic time and said, "I want to fight John Jones. Let's go. Let's fucking go right now." John was in the audience. I think he benefited strongly from the fact that uh, you know John Jones just fought last weekend. And that uh, this fight was in, you know, very, very close to John's uh, home, his hometown, but where he lives and trains. And he was front row in the fight. And 
there's not a doubt in my mind that they're gonna make that fight next. You know, it really it really comes down to the Reyes rematch, whether or not they're interested in that. But I don't think um, I don't think they are. I really don't. You know, I, I certainly wouldn't be surprised if they do. And and after after hearing from other people, I, I wouldn't mind the Reyes rematch. But uh, the way John was acting uh, in the post fight interview, which is to say, like backstage with Laura Sanko. Uh, by the way, I posted a little clip of that on my on my Twitter. Um, it's getting some attention. Not enough, but it's getting some attention. Anyway, uh, yeah. Fuck it, I'll just talk about it right now. Laura Senko backstage was like, John, you look juiced. <laughs> and he goes, yeah, I'm ready to go. I was like, was this an admission of guilt? <gasps> Scandalous. Just having some fun. But ultimately, that, that that's it for Rio Rancho, dude. For UFC Rio Rancho, there was uh, there was fucking chaos in the in the in the main card. You had two DQs. Um, that's probably not a UFC first, but uh, you could probably count on one hand the amount of times that's happened, especially in a main card. You know, two DQs in one night by the same fucking strike. I can almost guarantee it hasn't happened by the same strike. Like that's pretty crazy. But um, yeah, a lot of firsts. On this card, he had the first a husband and wife fighting on the same card. Fucking a. Yeah, I'm looking. I'm I'm looking at the results. I'm looking at my notes. I just have a bad taste in my mouth about Rio Rancho, dude. But uh, we're gonna get it all out in the forum, and uh, got some exciting news to talk about in the uh, in the next segment. So uh, let's take a quick break. Don't skip it. If you if you normally do if you normally skip the the, the ad I got uh, something exciting uh, I'm changing it up a little bit um, and I would love your feedback um, but actually before I do that let me give a, a positive shout out as I always do um, I love ending the segment this way um, love this uh, this person and I want to give a shout out to at Pixie Dust twenty six Derek Lewis hot balls. Uh, she's just a, a great source of positivity on the timeline. Uh, great takes as well uh, w- with regards to MMA. And uh, so glad we connected. Uh, I, and I can remember, um, I want to say it was like episode maybe 12, something like that. She requested that I do a breakdown of UFC 239 in rhyme. And uh, I did it. I, I broke down the whole card in rhyme. And it was one of my favorite things I've ever done on this podcast, which is all because of her. So really appreciate that. And so now let's take a quick break so Daddy can get paid. And then we'll come right back. Welcome back. Welcome back. What did you think about that? Let me know. Uh, seriously interested in uh, honest feedback uh, on that uh on that ad read changing it up a little bit trying to make things uh, a little bit more entertaining and uh be my true self uh more and uh seriously um if it's uh negative let me know uh just don't uh don't go put that on the timeline put me on blast like that if you think i'm if you think i'm trash if you think i'm a white piece of shit definitely let me know but let me know in the dms uh and special thank you and shout out to the man, Ill Resolve System. Uh, you can find him on SoundCloud, Spotify. Uh, he is amazing. Check him out on Twitter. It's I L L Resolve S Y S Ill Resolve Sys. Basically, uh, the SoundCloud SoundCloud link 
uh, is in his bio, soundcloud.com slash electric resolve. See if I'm getting the whole thing on there. Uh, but uh, the, the, the dude's amazing. Uh, I love his stuff. And uh, I, I reached out to him to kind of um, help me with that with that ad. And he came through in a big way. Love that shit. So um, you're the man, dude. You're the man. And thank you. And now uh, let's talk about some news, babies. Let's talk about some news. Uh, we got two little pieces of news and uh, two fight announcements, basically. Uh, and the first piece of news is uh, something that's... Um, you might not have heard about, so I'm, I'm happy to be sharing it with you. And that is uh, my man Eddie over at Pure Evil MMA is doing uh, another one of those uh, MMA trivia tournaments that I was a part of recently, and I'm currently the reigning defending champion. Uh, took out my man Rhino for that number one spot. I uh, was supposed to take on Donnie Rocket, but you might know the T on that one. Uh, but uh, nonetheless, I'm the champion, and uh, Eddie's going to do another round this time uh, if you'll remember, or if in case you miss it, I'll I'll recap for you. Um, the winner of that was meant to get like a, a fifteen dollar gift card to to of your choosing, and uh, I said, you know what, take that fifteen dollars and donate it to uh, my man Ray's Omoplata Soup uh, GoFundMe. Uh, he is starting up a, a GoFundMe campaign for um, trying to put BJJ uh, into into schools, into into urban communities to try and end uh, gun violence and uh, mental illness. It's something I feel very strongly about. Uh, and, uh, you know, the whole point of it, and, and he talks about this on his podcast a lot too, so, so definitely check that out. It's a Raise Amal Pot of Soup podcast. Uh, and you can find him on Twitter at Dars underscore Smokes. Pretty sure the GoFundMe link is still his pinned tweet. Um, but mainly, um, he said, you know, we don't know if this will work, but... No one's trying anything else. We got to try it, and that is the theme of uh, the next little bit of news I want to talk about. But um, I want to let you know um, the last uh, MMA trivia tournament, if you will, was uh, was just for podcasters, and this time we're opening it up to everybody since it's for charity. Um, I believe it's going to be a five dollar buy-in just so we can get a big pot going, and then that the, the proceeds will be donated to, to charity. Uh, so I think that's that's very important and, and very uh, honorable. Um, I think we're trying to do it by by Monday, uh, the 18th. So if you're listening to this after then, just in case, and you want to participate, just in case, still hit him up just because I don't know if maybe um, he's going to extend it to, to get more people or, or, you know, depending on how long this takes, you could probably add it in later. Not sure, but I'm definitely in, you know, already. So if you think you know more than me, you're probably right, but you got to prove it. Um, and moving on, the, the this is a, a piece of news that I was very excited to to hear and, and talk about here. Um, the Kansas uh, MMA Commission, and uh, is that the official name for it? Probably not, but that's what I wrote down. Um, they are um, they're going to offer uh, to any promotion that wants. This is this is by no means uh, mandatory, but it is optional uh, for MMA promotions to uh, offer real time scoring which is in a sense that the scores for each round uh, get posted or becomes um, public knowledge. And uh, also in regards to my man, um, Ray Omoplata Soup that I just talked about, he's going to have the gentleman who's kind of spearheading the whole thing um, on his uh, his next episode, which may already be out by the time you're listening. So so go and check out his uh, podcast feed uh, and see if it is. 
Now, this is something that I've talked about a while. I'm, I'm pretty sure it's been asked on this podcast about things that could help, you know, judging or things that you'd want to see implemented in MMA. And I've brought up open scoring because my whole point is it may not work, but we won't know until we try it. We we have to stop. We have to continue to evolve in our sport. It's so new. You know, we, we can't just think like, okay, we got it right just because we like things, you know, how they are to an extent, to, to an extent. There's plenty of room for growth. And um, I listened to uh, Mark Ramundi talk about this on uh, Errol Hawani's Wednesday show, and he made a good point because uh, he's been following this very closely and, and does a lot of reporting on like regulation and different commissions and stuff in general. Um, he said it may not or it's, it's not going to fix the judging. Better judging or better judges and better ju- judging criteria is going to fix the judging. But this is going to this is going to just be a better, you know, more transparency and it's good. And the good thing about it is a, it's optional, right? So it's not like all of a sudden, like, Oh, uh, if you want to do a fight in Kansas, you got to do open scoring. No, it's optional. The other thing is there are three places that the information can be dispensed and you can, and you can send it to one or all of them. So you can do it to just the crowd, just the broadcast, or just the the fighters, their corners, um, or, or any combination of those. So I think that's awesome. And uh, Invicta FC is going to try it out, so we get to watch. Um, we get to watch it play out. Now there there's been some some fucking um, you know holier than thou reporters who have, who have said that it doesn't. Uh, WBC tried this and Glory used it. Open scoring is bad. You know it's going to ca- cause for people to be stalling, but. I don't. Th- I don't think that's necessarily the case. So first of all, I think it's harder to stall in MMA than it than it is in boxing. Um, and number two, that we're only really coming to play in a third round of, of a three round fight, or or possibly the final two rounds uh, of a title fight. Now, the other thing, and and actually, I, I want to give a quick shout out to Mitokayo um, Hugo, the other juice. Uh, with the iFox to Juice podcast. He just had an awesome interview with uh, Andrea KGB Lee. So that interview was good in its own right, but they actually talked about this because they obviously were talking about the terrible scoring of her fight and terrible judging. And um, she said she'd be for it. And, and, you know, Juice had said that uh, the only the only thing negative that people are saying is that uh, it could possibly cause some some stalling and Andrea said well that could also light a fire into the other fighter to try and go get the finish you know there's two sides of that coin so I'm for it I'm for trying like that's the point we need to be willing to try more you know you know commissions need to be more flexible you know the uh, I, I'm, I'm a believer in rules are made to be broken you know you can have principles you can have certain things that are like set in stone like no we will never go on this that that's true but but especially when your sport is so new, you gotta be willing to be flexible, and uh, that's what's happening here. So, so we get to see uh, it play out. I, I have a feeling the UFC is going to be watching that broadcast. I have a feeling that because uh, it's on Fight Pass, right? So, um, I have a feeling that uh, executives and, and producers and and possibly even uh, Dana White uh, are going to be watching this. There's some of the matchmakers as well, seeing how how it affects the fights and and how it affects the broadcast and. All that, so really, really like this idea. And that's it for, for news. 
but let's talk about some matchups, which are, you know, sort of in the news as well. And uh, the first one was Bilal Muhammad versus Lyman Good happening at UFC 249. Holy shit, this fight. I'm like, <laughs> wow, I-, I love it. And at first I was disappointed, dude, because we Bilal and Nico Price were teasing us up and down the timeline saying, I'll fight you, bro. I'm ready. And they were having like little... Like in like a respectful way, and it was awesome. It was just like two dudes that fucking both like to throw down that are like, hell yeah, I'll fight you. I loved it, dude. I was so ready for that fight. My body was ready. And then they announced Bilal and Lyman, and I was like, oh, and I got a little blue balls. But then I started to think Lyman Good is a fucking killer as well. His last fight with uh, Chance Honkontle, fucking great, dude. He... He always like whenever I see Lyman Good, I, I think he's like a fucking like uh, like a werewolf for some reason. He's just got that killer instinct, and uh, you know Bilal versus Lyman, sign me up, dude. I love it. I love everything about it, and I get to go to this fight live. I'm so fucking pumped, dude. UC two forty nine is gonna be lit, and I'm keeping those positive vibes going. I see all you motherfuckers talking about it. the main event's not gonna happen. I see you. And I'm making a list, dude. I'm making a list of all you dissenters so that when the fight goes down, I can shove it up your ass. That's right. I said ass. And you know why I was also let, uh, I was less let down by this last matchup is because right away, this other one got announced. Nico Price versus Muslim King of Kung Fu Salakov. And it's going down uh, April 11th in uh, UFC Portland. Holy shit, dude. This is a gift from the violence gods. This is just everything you could possibly want. Dude, if Nico Price is fighting anyone else, aside from maybe like the champion or, or um, I don't know, someone else I really love. I don't know. That's probably a bad example. But basically, if he was fighting anyone but like, Masvidal, Tyron Woodley, or like Kamara Usman. I'm fucking riding with Nico Price hard. I love that guy. However, I am the biggest Muslim King of Kung Fu Salakov fan you will ever find. I fucking stand this guy so hard. Especially like like from the moment he got in the UFC, I was like, dude, this guy cracks. And he's just got this fucking killer personality, uh, which is like, like, I mean, like killer as in like, you're like, yeah, I probably killed a few guys. Like, that's what I mean. Like, oh, I, I, I just love everything about this guy. And his last performance with uh, uh, Loriano Staropoli, they fucking went to war and he had an amazing call out of the leech, which I, I was hoping was going to happen. Li Jingliang. Did not happen, which I'm somewhat disappointed. But this is even better, dude. Yes. I can't wait. I'm so jealous that uh, my boy Kev Jitsu gets to see this fight live. Um, And I did, uh, I'm I'm looking at my notes. I wrote down that it was happening on April 25th in Lincoln, Nebraska, which is what Brett Okamoto originally reported. But then he edited it saying it was going down on April 11th in Portland. So I could be wrong uh maybe it's shifted back like i don't think it's finalized maybe they're gonna go back to lincoln again maybe by the time you listen to this that's been uh reported and you and you think i'm a clown i mean you think i'm a clown but not for that reason 
that, that that's just uh that's brett blame brett akamoto i'm happy with blaming him for for lots of things so so definitely blame blame brett on that one blame him for giving john jones round two of the reyes fight Ugh. okay we're moving on from that that that's way too long um but that ends it the this segment so now ladies and gentlemen open up your hearts open up your minds open up your ears and let's get into this motherfucking forum yeah Sometimes you want to go where everybody knows your name. Welcome to the forum, ladies and gentlemen. This is where we have different voices from the people, the good people of MMA Twitter. And I suppose some of them not from Twitter, although usually that's not the case. I don't think that's the case today. Um, These are all good people from MMA Twitter. Anyway... It's the part where I check my ego and listen to everybody else instead of listening to myself talk. So without further ado, let's get things started uh, with my man, Shane Terra. Juice. It's your boy, Shane Terra, as always. And I'm really interested... Um, I don't really have a question. I just, I just want to hear you talk about John Jones defending his title and winning a bunch of records, um, only in the context of him doing a completely plant-based uh, diet and lifestyle for this fight camp. Um, uh, I'm just really curious your thoughts and opinions. Thanks. I have some mixed thoughts and opinions. Some mixed martial opinions. That's the name of my old podcast, R.I.P., which could be the name of a blog I'm going to start up soon. That's a little bit of a teaser for you if you if you missed that tweet. Um, and here's why. So I have a different view on a plant-based lifestyle than most people. Uh, I was raised vegetarian. My My dad converted vegetarianism, I want to say probably five or ten years before I was born. Somewhere it, it's definitely more than five, but maybe less than ten before I was born. Um, I'll be thirty this year. So vegetarianism, vegetarianism has been in my family a long time, and so I've never had meat, and I've always grown up thinking that you know, plants have more nutrients and things like that, and you know, I, I don't push that on anybody. I, you know, people have a very bad view of of the the plant based community of the vegan community, and it fucking annoys the shit out of me. Uh, so I try not to like be that guy, but then I get asked these kind of questions and I have to like be that guy. Right. Um, and so a few years ago, people started using the word plant-based and I, I got very like hipster about it. Like that's our word or like, you're just like, like for me, I, I feel like that's a cop out for someone that's trying to transition to veganism, but isn't fully there. Like if they say like, Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm eating more plant-based which just means I'm trying to eat better. Like, I, I, I don't know. And, and so what Shane's referring to is, is an article that uh, came out, and I didn't, you know, disclosure, didn't read the full article, um, but the headline was something, something John, I mean, it was a pretty clear headline, unless it's a fucking fake headline. It's like, John Jones says he went, you know, did 80% plan-based for this last fight camp. Um, it could have been 100%, but I, I could have sworn it said 80%. And for me... 
if if you're just doing that when you're in camp and you're not going to adopt it, that lifestyle out of camp, it's meaningless. But also, 80% feeds into my point of you're not doing it 100%. And also, I, th- I really think John Jones is the kind of fighter that needs direction. Like That's why he's with Jackson Wink where they like game plan to everything to a T and everything is like whatever, you know what I mean? Um, I think I just said everything is whatever. I mean, everything is meticulous and they break down the game plan and, and they, and they break down their opponent and he, he needs like structure. He's all these different like strength and conditioning programs and things he takes. Um, I know he was doing nutrition for a while. Uh, I actually used to work with uh, a guy that is like one half of nutrition, not the, not the nutrition part, but like the supplements. Um, interesting guy. And, uh, so I'm not convinced and uh, especially in, in 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 the context of John setting these awards, I mean he he just broke the award for most t- or, uh, or just broke the record for the most title defenses this last fight, uh, and and if this was his first fight camp under that diet, I don't think you can attribute it to that. Um, so, um, yeah, if he if he really invests in it, really fully does it, that could attri- that could um, you know play a huge part in his longevity. Uh, you know, in extending his career, uh, but uh, I'm not I'm not convinced so far. But great question. It's your boy Shane Tara. If you didn't, if you were not able to guess already, um, non MMA question. I just want to know what some of your favorite songs to get high to are. Um, I personally really enjoy Thin Lizzy, as you can tell. Um, how do you feel about Thin Lizzy? Also, the original question: what, what are some of your favorite songs to get super stoned to? Uh, so I don't know who Thin Lizzy is. And uh, you've titled this question Lynn Thizzy, which confused the fuck out of me, uh, hearing different ones, uh, like hearing one thing and reading another. Um, secondly, I never really like get high and listen to music. Uh, I usually, I'll either watch like uh, a, a movie that's like deep or I'll just go and like comedy. Like I, I might have, to- I think I told this story when someone asked about like the, uh, a time when I, I uh, was on edibles and it fucking went south or whatever, or just like I was really high. And, and one time I went to a movie uh, in theaters called The Beginner, or I think it's The Beginners. So fucking good, dude, with Christopher Plummer and uh, Ewan McGregor. I think Christopher Plummer was nominated for an Oscar and he might have won. Fucking amazing, dude. And I was high and there's a lot of visuals in that movie and I was like, fuck. It was tripping me out. Um, and, um, but usually, usually it's comedy. Usually, I'll put on some improv, like uh, the Upper Sinister Brigade uh, in LA, UCB, has a DVD of their show, Ass Cat, which is so fucking funny. You can actually find it on YouTube if you just search UCB Ass Cat. Ass, by the way, ass is with like four S's. I don't know if that matters. I always do, because that's usually what it's like. It's like, Ass Cat. Anyways, um, that is fucking hilarious. And, um, or, or I'll I'll watch something I just got into recently. Thanks to, um, mix the man and Cody Gator. 
and Goon. Shout out to the Turbo team. Uh, a sketch show called I Think You Should Leave by Tim Robinson. It's fucking great. Or Chappelle show. But if, but if I... Um, if I like, if if I want to listen to music, I like to listen to um, either like old school rap, um, or that fucking uh, is it a Sublime song? I think it's a Sublime song. They're like, I smoke two joints in the morning, I smoke two joints tonight, I smoke two joints in the afternoon. It makes me feel alright. Smoke two joints in time of peace, two in time of war. I smoke two joints before I smoke two joints, and then I smoke two more. Oh, one other thing I like to do in regards to music and getting high is that um, when you are high, uh, you are less inhibited. And when you're a singer, if you are too tentative or you're too uh, in your head, you sometimes um, don't hit notes as well uh and it affects your range as well now if 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 you do it with a like if you smoked a flower that can affect your voice in a negative way in general but if i if i vape right or um you're just vaping sometimes i'll fucking put on a, a song that i know is like just outside my range and i'll fucking try and hit it and sometimes i do and it makes me really happy <laughs> Yo, 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 what's cracking, Juice? It's your boy, Cerrone Noseblow. Uh, I know I missed a question last week. I had to open and I fucking fell asleep. But, uh, listening to the podcast, I just thought of something, dude. Latifi threw the shit out of Derek Lewis during that fight. I know this is last week, but anyway. My question for you is if he stood still you think you could throw Pam like that? <laughs> I forgot about this question, dude. He said this like uh, on the 11th. Yeah, absolutely. But the TV, I, I said this before, he can do that to anybody, dude. This is why I think the RSP had the perfect idea for him, which is to do um, Latifi versus Struve because it's like the ultimate freak show fight in the UFC. Like the shortest guy versus the tallest guy. Oh my god. Like I saw this video. I think I did said this before. I saw this video of Latifi on Instagram where he was working out with his friend as the weights, dude. He had his friend in like a like a plank, but like where his ass was up in the air, so it was like a like in a triangular position, kind of like a teepee, I guess. But he's like he was like planking. And he fucking just wrapped his arms around his like waist kind of. Uh, or, or maybe like his hips and he was just like flipping the guy like it was a fucking game. I, I was like, dude, Latifi is too strong for me. Too strong for me. Hey, Juice, what's up? It's your mate, Shane Tara. How you doing? You fucking legend. All right, I'm terrible at that. That dialect. Anyway, I uh, I asked this question to Ashley, the MMA nerd, but I'm curious about your opinion on it too because I know we talked a little bit about it in the past. Um, 
but can you diatribe a little bit about how the history of professional wrestling and catch wrestling are will forever be intertwined with the history and backstory of mixed martial arts? Um, I say this because there's a lot of talk about people going back and forth, and John Jones was like the newest person to talk about going going to WWE, and um, I'm just kind of curious how. People forget that, like, Dan Severn was an NWA champ and that Sakuraba was a champ. So, um, yeah, can you talk about that? Absolutely. Uh, Great question. And I I will, I have to admit, um, I am somewhat ill-equipped to answer this because it requires, uh, first of all, more time than I I want to allow for this. I I know uh, in the past I haven't given a fuck about how long my episodes are, but I'm really trying to work on that. Uh, since uh, a lot of people don't like long episodes, uh, long podcasts like I do. Uh, but I really uh, think it's important to talk about what I do know. And uh, someone who knows more than me is um, Josh Gross uh, at The Athletic. Amazing writer, amazing MMA journalist who has been doing, doing it a long, long time. Wrote a book on where I think it all started. Uh, the, the crux of it, he wrote a book on um, Ali versus Anoki. Um, Antonio Inoki versus Muhammad Ali uh, was like a mixed rules like exhibition match that they put on uh, where I think it started as a work. Um, but uh, they didn't tell Ali that, you know, it, they just kind of let him, you know, they wanted him to think it was a fight. Um, I must I must say I don't know the full story of it, but I know that basically they got in a ring and, you know, he was allowed to wrestle and stuff, but he was also afraid of his power. So Antonio Inoki like got on his back and just like, kicked the shit out of Ali's legs, <laughs> which I think is so funny. Um, and so, yeah, that, that kind of started it. And, they, they, you know, pro wrestling has been deep-rooted in the, the history of MMA, just, just in the, the production value, dude. I mean, um, the walkouts, the pageantry, the fact that fucking in UFC 3, Kimo Leopoldo came out you know with the cross on his back like that's fucking pro wrestling 101 and anytime someone cuts a promo it's absolutely rooted in pro wrestling um like you said dan severn uh fucking ken shamrock went into the wwe uh i think it was maybe the wwf at that time uh in like 97 after parting ways with the ufc before he got back into mma and was billed as like the world's most dangerous man in Japan and like Pank Race and and Shudo and Pride. They used to put in um, pro wrestling stars in the mixed martial arts, so they would get their fucking asses kicked, so they could try and prove that MMA was superior. Um, and the, and the, these uh, you know basically kind of try to expose pro wrestling in a way. Um, so there's no, and I get that not everyone likes pro wrestling, and and you can you can say. It's not for me, but uh, but don't say it's for kids. First of all, that's close-minded of you. Second of all, don't don't try to ignore that its roots are are rooted in in, in uh, the roots of MMA share roots with um, with pro wrestling, and I really believe that. So, great question, Shane Tara, but it, it deserves more um, diatribing, as you like to put it. Uh, that I'm equipped to. Uh, but great question. Juice, man, did you see it? I'm not going to talk about it. I'm not going to, we don't got to talk about it. Here's my question for you. 
How do you think Ray Borg stacks up against the winner Figueredo versus uh what's his name? Uh Benavidez. What do you think his ceiling is? Cuz I'm not he can grapple his ass off, but I'm not sure, man. Great question, and I know what you're alluding to. Uh, uh, you're alluding to Macy Chasson, your girl. Uh, I wish I had gone uh, a little bit deeper into that. Or oh, sorry, I wish you had gone deeper into that, because I love when when Kairos talks about Macy, especially when someone claps back at him, uh, just with anything, and Kairos drags that motherfucking ass on the timeline. It's the best. Um. Just don't ever drag me or we'll fucking, I'll find you. I'm just kidding. I love you. But, you know, Ray Borg. And I talked about this a little bit in my in my intro. First of all, the fact that he was he went up to Bantamweight and then came down and missed weight. In my mind, he's still a Bantamweight. So him, if he were to get the next shot, because what he's talking about, Benavidez versus Figueredo, in case they don't miss it, that's going to be for the vacant flyweight title. So... What he's saying is essentially making Ray Borg the number one contender to get the winner of that. Um, first of all, that would be just as bad as Connor getting a title shot at 155 after a win at 170. If he misses weight after just having gone up a weight class and then comes back down and misses weight, that, in my opinion, is terrible. So... That aside, if we're talking about stylistically how he matches up, I personally think either of those guys would send Ray Borg to the hospital because Ray's biggest aspect is his grappling. Joseph Benavidez is very hard to take down and can wrestle his ass off as well. Davison Figueredo can submit a motherfucker and also knock a motherfucker out. So, I honestly don't like Ray's chance against either of those guys. But I love you, Kairos. Right now? Legendary Polish power. That's all we got to say about that. That was sick. Let's go. John versus Jan. Let's go. Totally. Love the guy. That was a typo in my photo. He's got one more. Well, cool ass ending to the card. Um, really, just uh, I have to say, just a weird night of fights. A little bit of disappointment. A little bit of cool shit. Um, what I was most disappointed in was that illegal knee in the Brock Weaver fight. Man, I was really looking to see what he had through all three rounds. Um, I'm with the hype on him. Well, he's got my last name. It's pretty dope. And I was just looking to see a little bit more out of him. He looked decent on the ground, though, for the bad positions he was in. Going for the finish. It was cool. Overall, good night of fights. Fucking A. Well said. Shout out, shout out to type on my photo. Yo, Juice. It's only me from over the sea and me assault from Twitter. My question to you is this. From each of the continents, who is your favorite fighter? 
Oh shit, just spilt my beer on the sofa. The wife is gonna kill me. But anyway, yeah. One fighter from each continent. Bye. <laughs> Love that. Sorry sorry about your sofa. Hope the wife didn't actually kill you. And uh real quick. Uh obviously from America or well North America if we're going continents, it's um Roxanne Modafferi. And from South America, ooh, this is tough. This is tough. I guess probably Anderson Silva. I mean, he's probably my favorite Brazilian fighter of all time. I can't, I can't really think of anyone I like as much as Anderson Silva. Maybe Jose Aldo, but Anderson Silva takes, takes the cake. Um, and then from Europe, it's um, Michael Bisping. Because fuck yeah, Michael Bisping. And then, see, this is the problem. If, if I knew, if I knew if Muslim Salikov was from the part of, Ru like some parts of Russia or with the way the USSR broke up into different territories, different countries, like I don't fucking know what's if he's on the european side or the side that's in asia so if he's on the asian side then it's uh it's muslim salikov but if not then uh chan sung jung korean zombie without a doubt and uh, africa it's um it's francis Ngannou. though if we're doing origin because i was going to put uh you know israel adesanya is my favorite from I don't know if they call it Australasia or Oceania or um, whatever. Because I grew up th learning that, you know, in, in school we were, we were taught that Australia was the name of the country and the continent. That it was its own continent as well. And I think that's changed. And I am just too ignorant to know the difference. But I, I, th I think it might be Oceania, if, if I'm not mistaken. So he's f my favorite f that's in there currently. But if he doesn't count, then he would have to go to uh, to Africa. Otherwise, it's Nganu for Africa and Adesanya for um, Oceania, if you will. Fuck yeah, great question. Title that, Continental Killers. Love that. I love titles. Titles are awesome on these things. fun with myself Smokey J here from Australia um apart from the main event fucking oh hang on UFC New Zealand apart from the main event what fight are you mostly looking forward to on that card because it's peppered with some fucking bangers and my man Jimmy Crude's back and so is Jake Matthews I'm fucking looking forward to it bye Fuck yeah, dude. Smoky J is so high. It took a good, like, 22 seconds of before he actually started speaking. The first 20 seconds was just fucking long-ass bong rip. Respect, dude. Respect. 
And I gotta say, uh, I'm gonna talk about this in depth in my um, I want to get my preview for for UFC Auckland, but um, right now, if I had to pick one that's apart apart from the main event, it would have to be Angela Hill going on short notice fighting Loma Lupumi. Uh, really looking forward to that. There are two more that I want to save for when I do my preview um, that are on the undercard. Um, otherwise, the the main card's looking nice. That Jimmy Crude versus Michael Oleksiechuk um, fight. By the way, Rhino, take note. Oleksiechuk. That's the that's the proper Polish pronunciation. Um, but I'm really looking forward to UFC Auckland. Yeah, fuck yeah, dude! It's gonna be an amazing card. Hey there, Juice. Fighting with myself. It's Smokey J here from Australia, and I've got a fucking another one for you. Uh, Fabrizio over Doom's recently been cleared to fight again, and he's been booked in a fight with Alexi Olenek, and I think it was USC 250. Uh, both those guys are very fucking snaky motherfuckers on the ground with really slick jujitsu. Uh, I think it's going to be fucking a pretty good fight. Um, how do you see that one going down? And also, do you think that Fabricio will be able to just fucking waltz back into his original standings in the heavyweight division and be the same fighter that he was, uh, I guess you could say, fucking pre-USADA now? Alright, bye. Fuck, this is a great question. First of all, he titled this El Questiona de la Fabricio Verdum. So wrong. First of all, it's not even the right word. And then second of all, he's Brazilian. Although Fabricio does speak Spanish. I guess he lived in Spain for 10 years. Um, <laughs> bro, <laughs> two snaky motherfuckers on the ground. So agree. I'm fucking super pumped for this fight, dude. Yes. Um, and in terms of performance, like, so if, if they were booked before the suspension, right, I would have to take for doom, but due to like inactivity and things like that, I, I think I'm leaning a Linux right now, but, um, if, if Fabricio is, is the same, the problem is he's getting old. He's in his forties, I believe, or he might've just turned 40. I mean, so is the Linux, but he's also like been competing and, and been stable, you know, hasn't shown, you know, much signs of, of, of aging. And so if, if Fabricio comes back and he seems to have like lost a step or whatever, you know, it's not going to be good. And, it, and it, it could have to do with, with USADA, you know, but it also could have to do with age, you know, so we won't know, or maybe a combination of both, if we're honest. So, um, Prime Fabricio, or at least, you know, pre-Sada Fabricio could give Olenek a lot of problems, you know, by having at least similar, if not, you know, better jujitsu, and, and then being able to keep it on the feet and probably, you know, Fabricio's got a really good Muay Thai. Um, and uh, I, I wonder if there's a bet on if Fabricio comes out with the fucking jump sidekick, because dude... I bet he's itching to get back in there, and he'll just he'll just come out like a fucking bat out of hell and just hit that jump sidekick. He did it against Travis Brown. He did it against Overeem. 
uh, I think in Pride, and then he did it in Gabriel Gonzaga, like Jungle Fights or something like that. Um, he's like, this is my special one. This fucking jump psychic. Like, I think, you know, it's interesting. Like, so he got knocked out uh, UFC 198 in Brazil uh, against Stipe. And then he came back at UFC 203 and fought Travis. And he came out, like, Chell, uh did a breakdown on this one saying, you know, you know, any coach will tell you, any fighter will tell you, when you get knocked out, you're a little more gun shy and you're a little, uh, you know, you need the next fight back is always going to be a little bit more, um, you know, different. You're going to fight a different way. You're going to be more cautious. You're going to be a little gun shy. And he said that in that fight against Travis Brown, he looked like he was actively fighting against that notion and trying to be more aggressive for that reason. And so that sort of mentality that Fabricio has, or at least had, might come into play here. He might understand, look, I've lost time. I got to fucking go at this guy. I, I can't let him get going. Otherwise, I'm going to be up Shit's Creek without a paddle. Of course, he'll say something more Brazilian than that. Uh, <laughs> everything he say will be more Brazilian than that. But uh, I fucking, I can't wait for that fight, dude. I love those uh, grappling chess matches. Even if we don't get that, like I have a feeling this fight will take place mostly on the feet. But uh, even if, you know, it, it is that, it's going to be a sort of chess match with those guys. Because they're both going to be looking for the clinch. And uh, that's going to be really interesting. How we doing there, juice me boy? Well, uh, that UFC was a little bit on a fucked up card, if you ask me. Prelims were the best thing of it all. I was in Yon doing a little thing there at the end. My fucked up question for you is, what's up with Diego now? The UFC just dropped that motherfucker or what? Because he just signed a five-year or five-year or five-deal contract. If I'm not mistaken. Pretty sure he just did. Anyways, I'm too fucking high to think. It's like 3 o'clock in the morning or some stupid shit like that. I don't remember what my fucking question was, man, but I think I got it out. If not, well, catch on the flip side. It's always 420. Peace. Dude, Jim is a goddamn legend. That was probably the best Jim Assume question I've ever had on this show. Uh... And he fucking tells us as hope this don't sound too stupid was had doing this one. I think he meant to type hi and it was a typo. I have no idea. Do it o'clock in the morning or some shit. <laughs> fucking a. First of all, I think you're right. What you're referring to about the uh, Diego's contract because there was there was some news that came out that he was a free agent and that he had signed with Bare Knuckle. Um, some bare knuckle uh, organization. I don't know if it was BKFC. I don't know if it was BKB or Valor or whatever the fuck. But uh, he signed with that, that promotion, and it was like, <laughs> like, hey, yo, try something new. And then they came at him with this deal to fight Michelle Pajeda and uh, a renewed contract. And he was like, okay, fuck it. So all of a sudden, he was like back in the UFC. Um, if I'm honest, like I almost wish he had gone to that bare knuckle. Which is kind of sad, right? Like like BKFC and all that. It sort of became the home for retired uh, UFC fighters, which was a little bit sad. But then I saw like I think that sort of thing is less hard on the body, and they're reportedly paying really well. So I, I I'm for that, uh, and then get their sponsors, things like that was good about it. And so I was almost like, okay, this is good for Diego. He's transitioning to something else. Nope. Uh, turns out he's just back in the UFC. 
and uh, a little bit wackadoo. Honestly, dude, I would love to see Diego hang him up. I, I and I, I don't want to be anyone telling anyone to. to I don't want to be the guy telling anyone to, you know, loot give up their job or retire. Um, but I want I want him to have a career in motivational speaking because when Diego is on and he's coherent. He is fucking makes a lot of sense, dude. This last interview he had with Ariel Hawani was phenomenal, dude. He was so coherent, making so much sense, breaking down the supplement industry and just reading them for filth. Dude, I love that. And when Diego's hype and when he's actually on his stuff and not talking about Jesus, no offense, he is a goddamn evil genius. And... I think that, uh, you know, the UFC should sort of implement some sort of, for, for, for these guys, like not everyone should get it, but some sort of pension plan or, uh, I mean, obviously I do want that for them, but that, that goes back to the bigger issue of like fighter unionization and things like that, which is a whole topic that we can get into later. But, you know, if, if they said, hey, like sort of similar to what they did with like uh, Forrest Griffin and Matt Hughes, where they gave him like, uh, and Chuck Liddell, they gave him like executive positions, only Forrest Griffin wanted to do something with it. And, and he became like this success story with opening up the PI and things like that. Um, I think they should employ Diego to be like a, a motivational speaker for for fighters and like to train them. I, I think he would be really, really good at that. Um, so honestly, like, I don't even want to talk about matchups for Diego. I want to talk about next steps in his career that is not fighting. And speaking of Diego, these next, like, probably six or seven questions are all about Diego. And they are all pretty similar. So I might not answer all of them, but I am going to play all of them because I think it's important for everyone to get their voice heard and for people to uh, hear different opinions and hear things different ways. But in the interest of time and in the interest of not sounding like a broken record, I'm not going to answer all of them uh, because a lot of them are the same. Yeah, Juice, today we're going to talk about everyone's favorite quitter, Diego Sanchez. I am Adrian MMA too. And Diego Sanchez is a quitter. So we, what we saw last night, right? Um, it's still like fresh in my mind. It was like three in the morning, but we saw Michelle Pereira come out and dominate Diego Sanchez, fuck him up for the two rounds for for the entirety of the fight. Really fucked him up, and then like he gave illegally needed, which is obviously bad, isn't it? But then Diego Sanchez quit, right? And I'm not seeing people get pissed, right? I'm not seeing people get pissed. I guarantee you, though, if John Jones, uh, Anthony Smith would have took the DQ win against John Jones when John Jones illegally need him in the head. Then people would have been fuming, you know what I mean? So why aren't more people pissed about Diego Sanchez taking the win? Is it because he's one tough one, he's a veteran or something? Like, Are you pissed at Diego Sanchez or not? Okay, a lot to unpack there. And first of all, um, maybe you're not following the right people because I have been seeing a lot of people that are pissed. Um, and you're about to hear from from them, <laughs> for real. Um, second of all, that with regards to what you said about Anthony Smith, I don't think the comparison is that fair because you're talking about a title on the line and you're talking about uh, John Jones. 
So you, 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 the people that have been fuming would have been the, the hardcore John Jones stands who would just, just like the people that say, he, you know, he didn't really lose to Matt Hamill and things like that. That's what you would have had there. Um, you would have people losing their mind, but there were plenty of, there were plenty of Lionheart fans that were saying, you know, he had every right to take that. He, you know, he could have taken that, uh, win that by that way. And we respected the hell out of him for, for keeping going. Still do. But I have to say this in regards to this fight. Um, I, th- I think one, I think the, the, one of the reasons was that um, it happened earlier in the night as well. So we were already somewhat desensitized to it. Also, that was a weird ass fight. And so I think people were just like, they already like didn't have that high hopes. I don't know. I, I, I really don't. I'm not pissed at Diego. Uh, I, I do think it was a, a, a little bit of a, of, of a, I don't want to say a bitch move, but I was just like, like the way he went about it was, was kind of fucked up. That said, my, my feelings, my thoughts on illegal strikes are that, you know, your warning is in the back. Your warning is from having all these, you know, pro fights that you've already had, you know what to fucking do and what not to do. So when, when people throw illegal strikes, I'm not that sympathetic to the person that threw it. Uh, so, so that's my thoughts on that. I think, uh, I think the fighters should be taken out of it. I I think they need to look at implementing a a different rule, uh, where, uh, that's not happening. And I, I've been asking this to, to my, my fellow podcasters, you know, shout out to G from OTV with the WoCast and, um, Phil and the fight geek with uh, split decision. I, I asked them, do you think that the show and win pay structure has an effect on a fighter's decision whether or not to continue, and also with a fighter's corner's decision to not throw in the towel, because I think it does. And I will listen to an argument that it doesn't, uh, and it certainly could be other things also, but I will not budge on that. I'm pretty firm on that. So I'll I'll listen to an argument against it, and I'll probably end up disagreeing with it. Um, So... You're talking about let's say Diego gets paid, um, you know, a hundred k to to win and a, or to show and a hundred k to win, which to be honest, it could be less than that, right? I mean, Cowboy has been fighting for, for pretty much just as long, not in the UFC but MMA for for just about as long as Diego and has had more uh, Zufa fights than anybody, and he fucking uh, just got two hundred k to fight Conor McGregor. It's an absolute embarrassment. Fighter pay is as in the shitter. So uh, even if he has, let's get, he says he gets paid like eighty and eighty, eighty k to show, eighty k to win. That's pissing eighty k down the drain. Oh we know you're not going to get a finish. And so, yeah, you can call him a quitter. I don't disagree with you. You can call him a bitch. I wouldn't use that word, but I don't disagree. Uh, but I think uh, there's a larger issue here, and that is the rule set and the pay structure. Juicy baby, what's poppin'? Let me know what you think about Diego. I think that was a bitch move. Straight bitch move. No way around it. I don't care who the fuck he used to be or what the fuck he used to be able to do. Last night he proved himself to be a bitch. And I'm gonna remember it as his defining moment as a bitch. So go ahead and explain to me why I'm wrong for calling the great Diego Sanchez a bitch. Because I think he's a bitch. Gang is out. 
Okay, uh, I'm not going to do that, actually. I'm not going to say you're wrong. I'm not going to... Uh, I said at the top, I don't have a reverence for Diego Sanchez. Uh, I, I love the guy, but I, I don't... Uh, it's not one of those fighters that can do no wrong in my eyes. He can definitely do wrong. Um, sometimes he's fucking wackadoo, and I love it, but I, sometimes he needs to be fucking told that he's wackadoo. Um, and, and here's the thing. I, I hope people are... are are taking issue. I hope people are mad at him for the way in which he took the W from that illegal strike where he kept saying, it's a disqualification, right? If I can condition disqual, I hope you're taking issue with that and not just the fact that he, he did it at all. Like if he said, I can't continue. Like, here's the problem. I was thinking about the fucking Chris Weidman Musasi fight, uh, last night. I was thinking about how Chris Weidman took what we originally thought was an illegal strike. Then we watched the replay Saw that Musasi lifted his hands up and made it a legal strike. And when they asked him uh, what month it was, it was April, and he said February. And and then all of a sudden when they said that it was a legal strike, he was like, oh, it's April. So I was thinking about that, and I was thinking about, you know, how Diego was pretty fucking calm and composed and actually had his wits about him. You know, there's certain things like, well, when a fighter takes an illegal blow and um, they can't continue, it's pretty obvious to me. Uh, Hector Lombard versus C.B. Dalloway comes to mind. End of the round hits, uh, C.B. Dalloway throws a kick that lands like right at the final bell. Hector Lombard catches it. The ref signals to end the round, and Hector Lombard hits him with uh, a big right hand that knocks C.B. Dalloway the fuck out. And C.B. Dalloway did not know where he was. They pulled him out of there and got Hector Lombard the fuck out of that octagon, the fuck out of the UFC. So I honestly don't know what to think about uh, this Diego Sanchez that we saw, but to me, it's not it's not the Diego Sanchez of old. Uh, Two thousand fifteen, Diego Sanchez wouldn't have wouldn't have done that. The Diego Sanchez that went to war and took years off his life fighting uh, Gilbert Melendez would not have done that, you know. And, and I do think Diego has turned a corner in his career in terms of thinking about his health, you know, not wanting to cut weight, wanting to go in there healthy and wanting to extend his career and be like Randy Couture, uh, keep up with the, with the young pups as an older uh, fighter. But, uh, that ain't it, boo boo. Whatever you did last night, Diego, that ain't it. And I, I think about this all the time. I think about how grateful we are, uh, for these fighters bleeding for our enjoyment putting their health at risk, putting their lives at risk for, for our entertainment. And uh, I think what Diego did was was disrespectful to, to the fighters that actually, like he used to be. I think he disrespected himself. That's what I've come to. I think he disrespected himself by doing that. He disrespected Michelle Pajeda and mostly himself. Hey, what's up, Juice? This is Dave Fretz, at Dave Fretz and at Solo Shoes on Twitter and Instagram. Hope you enjoyed the fights last night. Bit of a strange night. Uh, all the illegal shots, uh, 
Um, strange enough with Diego Sanchez on its own. But anyway, let's move past that. I want to ask you about John Jones. What do you think is next for him? Uh, is he best off to go up to heavyweight? Um, I personally think that he's going to get up there and, and get, uh, get knocked out. I'm curious to know what you think about this stage of his career. Uh, I'm not sure exactly why, but it feels like to me that he's right on the verge of decline at this point. Uh, I think we're witnessing the, 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 the precipice of his decline here. Just curious. This is a good question. And uh, first of all, I love Dave Fretz, love his art. Him and I are working on something that's uh, hopefully going to be coming out soon. So a little sneak preview for that, a little tease, I guess. Um, so what I think about John Jones, it's interesting because uh, I think he's sort of plateaued at this point. I, I don't see any much more growth for John but I don't see much decline yet. I think what we're seeing is the division is catching up. Uh, you're seeing guys that are, you know, working on their skill set and being more well-rounded, and um, you know, evolving their own games. And athleticism is uh, playing a huge part. Um, John was was dominant at a time when you know. The guys that were come, the guys that he was fighting, weren't as athletic as him. And I, I know Kyrus made a big point about Dominic Reyes being an athlete, and and that helped, uh, you know, uh, close the gap on some of the learning curve. And I I, I agree with that point, um, but uh, I don't think that uh, John is unathletic, and I think he was more athletic than his prior competition. Uh, that said, I don't see Jan Blahovic, um posing much of a threat to him and I think that's going to be his next fight I don't think he goes up to heavyweight but I would like to see it so we ended with a question about John Jones and to one of my favorite John Jones fans hey what's up Juice what is up man it's your boy Yugi um, just wanted your opinions on the Diego Sanchez Michelle Pereira situation especially considering we saw what happened with Brock Weaver earlier in the night uh, I tend to side with Diego, man. If you're going to play dirty and hit me with a crazy knee like that, especially if you're winning the fight, then of course I'm going to play dirty too and take the win. Especially considering money on the line. You don't know, or I don't know his exact money, but let's just say it was 100 and 100 for a win. That's a lot of money, man. And then he gets part of uh, Michelle's money because it was a DQ. So yeah, I'm probably going to take the win, especially since it was a really, really dirty knee. Uh, just wanted to know your opinion about it. As always, I'm a huge fan. Can't wait to hear the next podcast. Take it easy, bro. Keep doing what you do. You guys, I love this guy. Go give him a follow. At, it's Fuck Yugi. There's two U's in fucks. So it's like, Fuck Yugi. Y-U-G-I. F-U-U-C-K-Y-U-G-I. It's so funny because when I first found his account, um, when he was like saying it was Fuck Yugi, I was like, so I sh should I be calling him Kaiba or Yugi? Or is he saying fuck himself? Because he calls himself Yugi. Now I'm getting to this like, like, you know, hits the blunt moment where I'm like, is he Yugi or fuck Yugi? I don't know. Um, but um, he's just uh, uh, restarted his podcast, I Poke MMA. It's 
phenomenal, really. I'm loving this podcast, so go check it out. And I pretty much uh, gave my thoughts on it already, so just wanted to play his uh, take on it, uh, seeing that he sides with Diego, which is interesting. Uh, and he brings up a lot of good points, which I brought up, but I think ultimately I, I, I'm a little bit uh, embarrassed for Diego, um, if, if, if I'm honest. Which is weird, right? But but I think I, I would like to see a system in, w- in which the fighters don't make that decision, where it's the corner, or uh, I don't know, the a doctor. Fuck, I don't know. And yeah, oh, this next question is going to bring up a bigger issue about uh, Diego that needs to be talked about and people are, are talking about a little bit but it really needs to be fucking addressed Cheers, this is your buddy mixing man say i'm calling in about diego sanchez who in the fuck at the ufc is letting this guy fight who is looking at diego sanchez going oh diego and that stupid ass motherfucker cult leader joshua fabio this is a great fucking idea let's let this guy fight i'm sure he's getting great fucking feedback from this guy let's put him in a fight let's pay him to fight people in a fucking cage with a cult leader in his corner who the fuck is letting this happen ufc needs to sit his stupid ass down and say look buddy you are not fighting again with this monkey asshole in your fucking corner here and i feel bad for diego diego's been ripped off by managers diego's been ripped off by pyramid scheme leaders he's been married and divorced more times than i can care to count diego sanchez would let you raw dog him in the ass if you told him you had a bag of fucking magic beans. You said, Diego, I got magic fucking beans. You want to do this? Hell yeah. He would do it. The man is ripe to be taken advantage of. And somebody... Somebody has to put on their big boy pants and say, Diego, we're going to have a big boy conversation right now. No more fighting with these motherfuckers in your corner. No more letting these motherfuckers in your life. Like, plain and simple. Somebody's got to look out for the dude because the dude... Time and time again, the dude is just ripe to be taken advantage of. He makes terrible fucking decisions, and he cannot look out for his own well-being. There's got to be someone in his corner, and until there's someone in his corner, the UFC needs to sit him down and say, enough is enough. That's it. I felt for Trevor Whitman when he was giving feedback on that broadcast. I mean, you could, you, you could just feel the pain in Trevor Whitman giving the feedback on that broadcast, and, and, I, and, I, and I felt for him, too. We watched him fight for a long time. Uh, enough is enough. You know something, Mick? That was one of the most well-said points on the subject you're ever going to find. Uh, your message took me on a roller coaster. You know, when, uh, when when you talk about hysteria, when someone gets hysterical, laughing and crying, you're in the same place. You can switch back and forth. And uh, some of the shit you may, said about <laughs> raw dog in the ass for some magic beans and the pyramid scheme, it made me laugh so hard, but I, it also made me tear up a little bit thinking about the state of, of Diego's career and, and where he's come and where he is now. You know, you think the, a guy that sacrificed as much as him would have more to show for it. And, um, you know, part of it is he fought an era when, you know, BJ Penn was the best lightweight in the world and he was fighting a lightweight. Um, that It is what it is, you know. He he gave his his best in those fights and and he he came up short, uh, but but now, it's it's so fucking tragic, man. And and let me tell you something. That guy who's talking about Joshua Fabian, the cult leader, in his corner, 
needs to be stopped. And there's a question in the Twitter forum, which we're going to get to, about who the UFC should let in their corner. And I'm going to give a little more thoughts on that fight. But if you just have one guy, and it's that guy, that doesn't cut it. And I really think the UFC should intervene on that. Because you have to be licensed as a cornerman. So, not only the UFC is is liable for this, the commission is liable for this. They shouldn't be letting him fight with a fucking guy with no martial arts training experience in his life, dude. They should be hearing the stuff he's on the... They they record it. It's on record. The audio was there. Him saying fucking crack the coconut. Him saying be sticky or, or whatever the fuck. I don't know how that guy sleeps at night, dude. I really don't. I really don't. <laughs> if I, suddenly, if for some fucking reason, Diego Sanchez put out a, a fan contest and said, whatever this contest gets to be in my corner, and I won, and I let him get into that fucking situation and I couldn't get him out of it, I would be distraught. I wouldn't be able to sleep. I, I, I just can't understand how this guy... And I'm saying this because he was in his corner for the Kiesa fight. And the, he, he got raw dog by Kiesa. So, what the fuck, man? But this is also on Diego. Diego, you're one of the most recognizable faces in the country. Go to a real camp. If you don't want to leave New Mexico... There's a decent one that Tim Means trains out of. Look it up, dude. He'd be better off going to the BMF ranch with Cowboy. Just squash the beef that you have. Because clearly, that was ignited by him, by Cowboy leaving and saying that there was a fucking puppy mill with with regards to the amateur fight team. Uh, And Diego left for some of the same reasons. So why don't you go train with Cowboy? I would rather see Cowboy in Diego's corner than a goddamn cult leader. Despicable, dude. Wow. All right, Juice. It's me from over the sea. If you buy Joe Bloxing for, just thought I'd say Pereira. It was his fault. End of. Um, my question is. Who do you think will win, and who do you want to win between Fury and Wilder next week? Shout out to Ari Andrew for, for joining us at USC London. Laters. Yes, I'm so jealous of all the guys that are going to USC London, and they're going to meet up. I'm telling you guys, I need video of that. I need some sort of fucking uh, recording of it, um, even if it's just audio. Um, you just better call in for the podcast, I'll tell you that. Uh, I'm so stoked for for you guys, and and man, uh, I got Fury. I fucking love Tyson Fury, man. He's made me give a shit about boxing, and I don't. My good buddy Rhino, God bless him, tried, and I couldn't. I'll be watching his fight. Let me tell you something. Go listen to his podcast. I just finished it. Um, I asked him about how his training camp is going for his fight. If you don't know, uh, our boy Rhino from Combat Sports with Rhino is uh, a professional heavyweight boxer and he's getting he's getting one last fight in. I sort of talked him into it. <laughs> so uh you know for for my conscience uh you guys you guys gotta support our boy and we'll go and go watch that fight. 
Yo, 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 what's cracking, Juice? Sroni Noseblow here. Alright, so I got a question for you. And that is, what fight or fights are you most excited to see upcoming that have already been announced? However, there's a kicker before you answer this. Has to be off a fight night card. So one, couple different fights. Let me know what you're looking forward to. I'm really excited to see uh, Lionheart hopping back in there. So that's what I'm looking forward to. Got a ways for it, but what's on your radar? Great question. And gun to my head, without even thinking, I have to pick uh, um, Muslim Salikov versus uh, Nico Price that I just talked about. I'm so pumped for that fight. I'm going to be fucking... I'm gonna get, I'm gonna find out if uh, Muslim Salikov has a, a a shirt that you can buy. I'm gonna fucking see if he has his. Re- I don't want the Reebok kit. The Reebok kits are lame, dude. If you think the Reebok deal is good, I can't be friends with you. Just kidding. We can still be friends. I'm pretty sure my soul twin actually thinks the Reebok deal is good. So, uh, I went a little too hard with that. But dude, I I can't. Although the Bisping one is badass. Uh, shout out to Barry, my secret Santa got me for that. So fucking love that. Oh, I love it. I work to the gym all the time. Um, yeah, your question. It has to be Nico Price versus Muslim Salikov. Although I am also looking forward to that Lionheart fight, and I'm really looking forward to uh, Walt Harris versus Overeem being rebooked. Um, especially, um, I have a really good song for the podcast. If what happens. Uh, what I think is going to happen in that fight happens. All right, we got one last voice question. Take it away. Hey there, Juice. It's the Rage and Sweet Potato. All the way from the Northern Wilds, Canada. I got a question for you, if you don't mind me asking. Last night at UFC Rio Rancho, we saw what could be called some seriously questionable bullshit from the corner of Diego the Yes! 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 Nightmare Dream Sanchez during the co-main event. Now, Josh Fabia is the yoga guru slash tantric instructor who has, air quotes, coached Diego for his last two fights. Now, we all know Diego is a little bit screwy to begin with and ain't exactly playing with a full deck of cards, but his game plan last night seemed to involve touching his own face and waving his magic Spartan energy shield at Bahia. In between rounds, Fabio was telling Sanchez to be sticky, think of the shadow, and use your movement. All useless corner advice. Now, at UFC 223, I went to Khabib for the interim lightweight belt because the UFC's first choice, Paul Felder, was deemed as being ranked too low to fight Khabib by the New York State Athletic Commission. So my question is this. Should similar reasoning be applied to cornermen to guarantee they're adequately qualified for the position? Should cornermen have to pass an aptitude test in order to demonstrate they have the knowledge and wherewithal to know when the fighter is in real danger or no one throwing the towel? Or should fighters be allowed to have anyone corner them, even if it is their own detriment or downfall? Well, gotta run. Have to fix my snowshoes before I can make the grand opening of the new Tim Hortons. <laughs> yes, dude. He's back. And better than ever, baby. I love it. First of all, uh, the Raiden Troop Potato issued me a challenge uh, for the first part of the show. By now, I probably already have uh, a DM from him saying, you didn't do it, because uh, he probably will have listened and then and said it. It was too hard. Uh, I tried. I, I tried, and it was really hard. 
uh, to do it. So maybe I have to get really high and and see if that will work. I might put that out separately now that I'm thinking about it. I don't know if I should say it in case I do it. It'll be a nice uh, preview. But I didn't forget about you. I know I did forget about that commission question a while ago, but I did not forget about you. I just, it was a really hard request and a really hard challenge to do. So yeah, in regards to your question, yeah, absolutely. And like I said, you have to uh, be licensed as a cornerman. So what the fuck are these uh, like requirements? What, what are the, the, what's the screening process? I, I mean... In my opinion, you can have one guy like that if you have a team of, of, of qualified people. Seriously. I mean, and we'll get into this later with another question, but, you know, sometimes people need certain people in their corner for emotional support, and I think that's awesome. But if you just have one guy, and it's a piece of shit like that, who, who doesn't know uh, dick about fighting, that's dangerous. That's not... Uh, we're not in a, in a, in a territory where it's like, uh, you know, bad for, it's not like bad for production. It's not like, uh, you know, it's, it's more than just not good. If that makes sense, it's detrimental to Diego's health, which is already fragile in my opinion. So I could talk about this till I'm blue in the face. He needs a new goddamn corner, and I'm I'm sad for the guy, I really am. It, it's one of those situations where you have to put yourself in the best possible uh, situation to get a victory. Uh, Robin Black calls them winning conditions. You have to put yourself in a position that you know takes advantage of your skills. You're not giving yourself that advantage you're putting yourself at a disadvantage by by the fucking cult leader guy i mean what a piece of shit i don't know it's madness it's absolute madness and that does it for the voice questions so let's venture into, into twitter uh this is uh from joe blog 74 shout out to you joe blogs it says who's a better dancer pajera or bisping uh, obviously Pajeda, dude. And let me just say this, dude. If you're like one of those guys that like it only likes the purity of the fighting and you're like, oh, that, that fucking flippy shit takes away from from the art of it and you're like, oh, stop the dancing on the way to the cage, fucking put on a vest with pockets and take a hike. I love that shit. And it's so, uh, like the pageantry of it is, is so important in uh, in mixed martial arts. I love it. I love everything about it. So you can hate on Pajeda all you want. They could have, you know, honestly, like he, because I was thinking about this, like a lot of, I feel like a lot of people that don't like that are people that come from other sports where they don't have that. And they do sometimes. First of all, there's the Harlem Globetrotters and who are doing all kind of crazy trick shots and things like that. And if, you want to have, if you want to book Michelle Pajeda in fights where he's just like styling on people, I got no problem with that. As long as you're not going to give him a title shot for for getting wins off of cans or whatever. If you want to fucking treat him as like the MVP of goddamn the UFC, I have absolutely no problem with that. Because the shit he does is good for the sport in my opinion. 
Like that kind of creativeness is needed and it's refreshing. So while it doesn't always work, you know, he got Tristan Connolly. Uh, if you put him in, if you put, just put him in fun showcase fights, uh, maybe headline some prelims. Fucking love it, dude. What's the problem? Too much Pajeda hate on the timeline. Uh, this next question is from Gringo Nojado at Somos Enojado. Says Diego, Diego, Diego. I'm afraid he's headed headed into a BJ Penn type downward spiral. I hope I am wrong. Uh, see, I, I'm going to disagree, and uh, he could be heading into a similar uh, BJ Penn type losing streak where he loses like I think BJ set the record for like seven in a row or six in a row in the UFC. He he could be headed into that territory, especially if they you know, make him fire his five fight fight deal, or I should say, let him if they don't save him from himself. But, um, you know, BJ Penn's type of spiral is much worse. You know, Diego Sanchez, in my opinion, more or less has his life together outside of the octagon. I mean, uh, he, I think he did recently go through a divorce, but he's not like, he's not being reckless. He's not fighting people in fucking bars. He's not doing drugs. He's not um, beating his wife. You know, he's not uh, putting his kids in danger. You know, Diego does lots of good things at this gym with the, with the special needs program that they have. Um I think it's incredible, like incredible, but able at the end, like, you know, like they say, like handicapable, like incredible, uh, I think is the name of the program for special needs. He headed that up with uh, Isaac Marquez, the Shermanator. Fucking love that guy. So uh, I, I don't, I don't, I don't, I think you are wrong, at least in terms of, 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 you know, the, the, the other stuff. Next question is from Dean R at Dean Dog Three. That's D A W G. Says three part question. What is your favorite per personal favorite division? Which division is the weakest? Or you know, men and women. And of course, which is the most stacked? Uh, this is a good question. And um, at the moment, my personal favorite division is uh, welterweight. I think it's really interesting with uh, Masvidal and Usman at the top. Um, Connor's now fighting a 170, even if he's fighting 55ers. Um, that's still in that division, I guess. Um, I'll tell you, my favorite division, if they were to make it, would be, would be 165. Um, the weakest men's division is obviously the men's flyweight. Uh, it, it just is. And... Um, Women's featherweight is absolutely the weakest women's division. And then the most stacked, I would say probably lightweight. I mean, you go through the... I mean, of course, with a, with a dominant champion like Khabib, it's so hard to think about anyone beating him, not named Tony Ferguson. But uh, other than that, like you look at the top 15 and you could interchange those ranks with, with any of them. They're so... That's like murderer's row, in my opinion. Uh, and then Gwendolyn which is at George H101 underscore. This is the guy who currently has Juan Adams as his profile picture who changes it like every week. Uh, says, can I call you Juicius from now on? Juicius. J-U-I-C-I-O-U-S. I don't know if that's Juicius or Juicius. My fucking wife said, please do. <laughs> Love you. Um, yeah, yeah, definitely call me that. I had a teacher in college who like wouldn't call me Juice. He would call me like Juice Abyss or... Juicematic or Juicebus 5000 or whatever the fuck. Um, I, I love it. Any variation thereof. It's one of the reasons why I, I love my my chosen name. Uh, 
Harry Andrew at Harry Andrew or ninety four. I almost said seventy four because of fucking Joe Bloggs. He said can, he said also, can you do a special shout out to Joe Bloggs? The guy has been class to me and has helped me to get tickets for my first live UFC event without being ripped off. Yeah, dude. Shout out to Joe Bloggs and Harry Andrew. Fucking whenever they're like having a conversation on the timeline, I just think of like like two solid, solid blokes. Love it. Love everything about those guys. And uh, another question from a man, RSP, it's rage underscore potato underscore 902. He says, when a, fi- when a situation such as last night's co event arises, should the fighter be appraised of what the consequences of their choice to continue or not will be? Or should they simply be asked if they can continue or not with no knowledge of what will happen? I'm really torn on this because if you get into a situation like, uh, you know, if you tell them, hey, hey listen, if I stop the fight, it's going to be a disqualification win for you. Then you're going to get into a, a situation like you did last night where they're like, yeah, yeah, stop the fight. But I think we got to we got to take a, take the fighter out of it because they're either going to a take an easy win or continue when they maybe shouldn't just to not be seen as a bitch fighters egos are so fragile dude so uh i think we really got to get their coaches involved you know it's it's a it's a tough conversation to have and people are not going to like it and and you know commissions are, are going to uh balk at it but it's it's what has to happen in my opinion and i'm well aware that it won't you know I'm only one man, and uh, certainly no commissioners listen. However, if for some reason uh, anyone on any MMA commission does listen, or anyone knows, like Andy Foster, for example, Andy Foster had a great interview on Area Hawaii Show last week. Um, open invitation, and uh, I don't really have guests on this podcast, and there have been people that uh, asked to be guests on the podcast, and and I I immediately tell that they've never listened, so. There's that. Uh, I had one guest, and that's been my best friend, Leo. Uh, and um, I want to have maybe one or two more guests. And uh, unless I change the format, that's going to be the max. Uh, so, yeah, st- but standing invitation to any commission member, um, if they listen or whatever, that wants to come on the show. Cyrus King, <laughs> my man, says, Juice Bro, tell me how weak Corey Anderson's chin is. Real question. <laughs> Real question. Tell me how weak Corey's chin is. Dude, actually, I don't know, man. Like, <laughs> he's only ever been hit by the fucking, like, when he's been knocked out, it's only been by, like, people that have fucking amazing power. Like, he took he took the best shots from Glover and didn't go down. He took the best shots from Alou Latifi and didn't go down. Um, but he fucking took a nasty head kick from OSP, who's a, a former football player. She's got that fucking athleticism. Slept them. I mean, wow. Jimmy Manoa, who can... I mean, Jimmy Manoa got knocked out a lot in the latter part of his career, but he also knocked people the fuck out. Uh, other than that, you know, he knocked Corey Anderson the fuck out. And um, and Jan's got some, some, <laughs> some crazy Polish power as well. Um, 
And I think that was that was a question of putting himself in the wrong position. Um, should not getting his head off the center line with throwing throwing a leg kick. It's not not that ain't it, Corey. We should be asking about his nipples. No one's been talking about his nipples so far. This question is from Harry Andrew. He says, do you think that Jan would be a good baseline test for John? I almost read it as Jan because they're both J-A-N and J-O-N. One is Jan, one is John. And it, Anyway, I hope that makes sense for anyone listening. Uh, would be a good baseline test for John going up to heavyweight. Whenever he's fighting, I always think he looks bigger than a two, 205 pounder. This may be just me, but hey, oh, uh, normally I do agree with you, Harry, but I, I don't see it. I think, uh, Jan is just as big as any other 205. If anything, Reyes is bigger. Um, and I just think like heavyweights and, and light heavyweights fight differently. And that's kind of what you saw in the Alir Latifi and Derek Lewis fight. Like, regardless of, I mean, the the Bellator heavyweight Grand Prix was a good example of that. Uh, like Mitrione said it uh, leading up to it. He said, you know, these two hundred five pounders are, are in for a rude awakening. Like, we don't, we don't fight like you guys do. Like, we're if you're willing to trade power, like that's what we do. We're just we're just trading power, and. Uh, I mean, then you had like a, a two hundred five pounder and Bader who wasn't willing to play their game and just took everybody down and smashed them the fuck up. Well, he he knocked out King Mo and um, and Fedor, so that's not entirely fair. But um, he certainly didn't fight like a normal heavyweight, and that's sort of what happened. I mean, if if he were to fight like uh, I'm trying to think of a of a. 205 pounder that fights like a heavyweight and I'm I'm just coming up short. There there really isn't any that I can think of. 205 pounders are, are just more athletic. They're um they're really to me most heavyweights uh or some heavyweights are are 205 pounders that don't want to cut weight and so they fight differently and then a lot of 205 pounders are heavyweights that do want to cut weight and and so they they have to put themselves in a different position athletically to be able to to move around better and 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 get that weight off. So they tend to be more explosive and more. Um, I don't know. Car- cardio is a bigger issue, whereas heavyweight is just different. I think John. I think John could like fight someone like a Curtis Blades, where where he would feel confident in being able to stop his takedowns and and probably like knock him the fuck out. Like I would. I wouldn't be surprised if John. I mean, I would be surprised if John goes heavyweight at all. But then if he did it for real and he was like, okay, I'm doing this, I wouldn't be surprised if he tested the water by fighting Curtis Blades. Uh, this next question is from Paul at Goonsun 1989. Shout out to this guy. He's awesome. Uh, Goonsun 89, what up? It's a little fill impression there for you. Um, it says, do you think UFC should implement pride-type rules allowing stomps, soccer kicks, and knees? Fuck yeah, dude. And I kind of think yes and no. Like, I think it should be one of those things where if they go overseas, where they're the commission and they can kind of self-regulate or they can go to Japan, things like that, um, as they have in the past, I think they should be willing to adopt that Japanese MMA rule set, like Pride and Ryzen uses in one FC or one championship, as it's now called. Uh, I would be super interested in that, dude. But I think like, with the history of how MMA had to be regulated in the U.S. with 
goddamn Senator McCain saying it was human cockfighting. Still haven't forgiven him for that. Um, that sounded super fucking fucked up of me. Uh, R.I.P. John McCain. But um, yeah, I I think in in North America people are like just now getting on board with it and and learning that it's a little bit more regulated and and things like that. So that might take us a step back in terms of public acceptance. But I'm all fucking for it, dude. So yeah, I think I think they should do it when they go overseas, which would be incredible. Uh, next question is from Natraj uh, at at Natraj Man United. He says the next round of matchups in light heavyweight. Jan, uh, <laughs> I said Jan versus Jan. Jan versus Jan. Fuck, it's so hard when you when you're reading it. Jan Bohovic versus John Jones. There, that helped me. Um, and then Walker versus Reyes. And Santos versus Anderson. Uh, I would honestly... um, Well, first of all... um, hmm, Yeah, no, Corey Anderson versus Santos. I I wouldn't mind seeing... uh, I think we got to throw in the winner of of, uh, Anthony uh, Smith... Lionheart Smith and Glover Teixeira in there. Uh, I like where you're going with it right now, but um, Johnny Walker just is coming off a loss, and so you wouldn't want to give him a guy who just fought for a title. Uh, even though he's also coming off a loss, it's, a title loss is a bit different. And I think Johnny Walker was ranked like number 11th or something going into that fight with Corey Anderson, so that would be a huge step back for Reyes. I'd much rather see Reyes versus Santos. Um, and then, um, I don't know. It, it, it's it's hard, honestly. Match, matchmaking at light heavyweight is, is hard right now because there's a lot of uh, talent. That's a good problem to have. Uh, next question is from Eamon at Team Flemo 2. He says, should all camps be training how to take an illegal knee? As tonight proved, it's a great fight move, unintended or not. Definitely love that question. <laughs> it's also a little bit taking the piss, as they, as uh, as we say. And uh, no, dude, no. <laughs> I mean, yes, but no. Uh, man, can you imagine the drill? Like, I know in uh, in some basketball they say, you know, draw the foul so that you can like get get the extra free throws or whatever. Can you imagine if they're she's up now when you're in the clinch? And you see him throwing a knee, drop down, <laughs> do a pratfall, drop a, down your ass so you can take that knee. Like, what the fuck, man? <laughs> can you imagine? Chaos. Pure chaos. This next question is from Matai Stevenson. Love this guy. Uh, definitely follow back on my personal account, but love this guy. Uh, he says, can we stop hyping Corey Anderson? Four KO losses out of five. I get it, dude's a beast of a wrestler, but he's not top three. See, I don't, I don't buy that, and uh, <laughs> I do, I don't, I don't mind when people are using his own words against him because he, when he beat Johnny Walker, he had that thing where he's in the camera, and he's like, "There's levels to this," so people have been spamming that clip, you know, uh, in regards to like him getting knocked out, which is which is fine. I mean, it's you know, when you put yourself out there like that, you open yourself up to it. Uh, but, uh, I like Corey, man. I think, uh, 
I mean, I didn't like the way he was a fucking ass to the ref after the Johnny Walker fight, but those losses that he's had are already like top guys. And um, in light heavyweight, you know, knockouts happen. And um, the other thing is, I saw Corey in an interview talk about how he, the learning curve for him is a bit different because he just sort of went right from wrestling right into MMA. And he sort of um, was learning on the job. He like went into the ultimate fighter and then got a contract in the UFC. So he's done a lot of his growing up in the UFC. And um, because he uh, was on the season of the ultimate fighter that um, Frank Yeager was the coach, he got linked up with um, Mark Henry. And... Um, while Mark Henry's a phenomenal striking coach, um, was he wasn't learning about like inside foot position and things like that and what to do against a southpaw and the things. So he was opening himself up to a lot of things that at that level of the game you wouldn't necessarily be doing. So um, and here's the other thing: we may already stop hyping Corey Anderson by design because he's not uh, favored by the UFC. Um, he's had a hard time getting to the top and, uh, he acted like a bit of a jackass after his last fight and said, um, if you, um, if you don't want to give me a title shot, cut me. So Dana said, you know, he'll take the fights that we offer him and that's it. So, um, I wouldn't be surprised if they cut him after this just cause they, they want to get rid of him. I'm not advocating for that by any means, but, uh, I'm just saying, you know, let's wait and see about Corey either way. Um, you know, we were hyping Johnny Walker, myself included, and he put us up to that hype train. So um, I don't think hyping Corey Anderson is, is, not, is necessarily a bad thing. Uh, Phil the MMA Dude, shout to Phil, co-host of the Split Decision Podcast, one of my favorite podcasts to listen to. He says, this year we're seeing pay-per-view headliners come together far earlier than any other year. As recently as last year, some pay-per-views wouldn't have main events within uh, with five weeks to go, but now, but now we appear to have main events up through July and UFC 252. Is this better or less fun or dramatic? You know, this is such a great question, and it's 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 weird because you want your fighters to be prepared, you want them to have a full camp, especially if they're going to fight five rounds and be in a main event. But he's kind of right. Like some of the um, Suspense is lost a little bit. Um, but I also think like whenever the UFC does like a season and they have like a press conference, like, like the Go Big press conference or um, things like that, where they, they had other people like leading up to UFC 200, International Fight Week, and they have all the main events. And like that moment where you have like Michael Kiesa and Kevin Lee, like those press conferences are so fun, dude. And you can't get that unless you have like a lot of main events lined up. Um so I, I wouldn't be surprised, like, honestly, now that I'm thinking about it, you could do, you could have a situation where the fighters agree to it and they just don't announce it right away. So you announce it maybe five weeks to go or like a week before tickets go on sale, whatever that window is, whatever they like to do. Um, and then uh, try to have a situation where you announce it at the press conference. Dude, if they, like, after the international fight week, uh, whatever that card is, the, the next half of the year, if they do some sort of press conference where they announce the rest of the year and, and they do it all at the press conference, that would be fucking stellar. I just got chills thinking about it. That would be amazing. 
Like fucking A. Can you imagine them? And for his first title defense, Tony Ferguson versus Justin Gaethje. <sighs> Can you tell what side I'm on? Can you tell? Uh, love that question. Shout out to Phil. Great guy. Next question is from Microcosm, one of my favorite handles on here. Um, if my uh, first name, uh, government name was more interesting, I would be definitely doing that. So great play on words, Microcosm. Uh, he said, do you think if Diego would have looked impressive in his last two fights that more fighters would have ditched their fight teams for a Tony Robbins type guy in their corner? Absolutely. I don't know about ditching them, but they would have definitely probably implemented that. Because trends in MMA are a big thing. Like when Conor McGregor started working with Ido Portal, uh, people were like, oh, I need a movement coach. You know, even though Carlos Condit was doing some of that stuff before, uh, it was just less publicized. Um, But uh, yeah, trends in MMA are a big thing, and that would have happened. I mean, people are starting to get more mental coaches. Um, Speaking of Conor, Conor worked with Tony Robbins during his last fight camp, so that's interesting. Obviously, he wasn't in the corner, and he had a real goddamn team of coaches. I'm so, I still, I'm so fired up about that, dude. Like, like imagine if the co- if the commissions had like, okay, you get three cornermen, you have to give me a, a striking coach, a wrestling coach, and a jujitsu coach. They have to have those credentials, or I'm not giving them a fucking license, dude. All right, um, goddamn, I lost my place. Here we go. Um, this was from at Jonathan Torres, but the ES is 35 and the O's are zeros. Hope I explained that right. And uh, the, the name is This Is The Way Lee. It's one of my favorite names. Um, he says, why did Corey stand right in front of Jan like that? I genuinely want to know how that made any sense. Uh, if, if I'm honest, maybe hubris. Uh, I mean, it also harkens back to what i said about his learning curve in mma and uh things like that but i also said that he was working on those things like he i think his wife is a kickboxer and she took him to a kickboxing gym and they worked on that on those things so um i i think that was done to like you know him saying you know he he beat him in the first fight and he was going to beat him either just the same way or even worse so i think he was kind of trying to live up to his own words uh, this question is from at Fuzz LCFC. It's Fraser. Shout out to this guy. It says, uh, should Jan get to face Jones next? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I like the Reyes rematch, but um, give Jan his goddamn title shot. He's been in the game long enough. And uh, John Jones winning is, is good for MMA. So um, definitely don't send him to heavyweight. Uh, next question is from Lucifer at Jazz Fuck Off Sing. Shout out to this guy, dude. He DM me. He said he was gonna give me some like weird questions, some some non serious ones, and I was like, "Fuck yeah, bring him on." And I I just remembered he fucking had a tweet last week that was like, "Um, have you ever had a dirty wank off Diana Ross?" And I thought it was one of the fucking weirdest things I've ever read. And I quote tweeted saying, file this under weirdest I've ever read. And he responds, oh, you better get a file cabinet because there's a lot more weird things where that came from. Bro, 
I can't. I can't with this guy. This is great. Who went to fight Gandhi or Kevin Bacon? And he also replied, side note, Gandhi could fight, but unfortunately his opponent was his defenseless wife. Oh, man, dude. Wow. Uh, I didn't know about that, but I forgot about it. Uh, I'm going to go with Kevin Bacon because America. But uh, you're right. Gandhi's... Uh, Uh, he's a live dog in that fight. <laughs> Shit. And we got one more. This is from Casual uh, Opinion. It's at MMA underscore overhand. It says, should we bring knees back with the exception of only one hand down? Everyone's doing it anyway. Yeah, in general, I think the rules need an overhaul. I think we need to, you know... First of all, get all on the same page with uh, all the commissions in America uh, adopting the same, you know, set of unified rules because there's two sets of unified rules. So the term unified is a fucking oxymoron uh, in that sense. And um, and yeah, I think making them illegal makes people think that they don't have to defend against them. Making them legal would make I, it's like what I said a few episodes ago with regards to groin strikes, which everyone probably thought I was crazy. And to be honest, I am crazy, but not for that. Um, if you make it legal, people are going to learn to defend against it more. You know, I think the purpose of MMA is to find out what works in a street fight and, uh, you know, and what martial arts techniques are the most effective. And uh, for that reason, you got to allow it. So, yeah, absolutely. Great question. And... I thought there was a question about uh, people having whatever, uh, whoever they want in their corner. And uh, we, we definitely touched on it uh, in, in some of the voice questions, but I thought someone asked in the Twitter forum, so I, was, I thought I was saving it. So I wanted to leave you with this closing thought. With regards to Diego having this guy in his corner... And, and and not for, for a minute, not making it about Diego, making it about anybody. Because because there are fighters that like, you know, Sam Alvey, um, Alexio Linick, uh, who have their wives in their corner. And, and, and that's important to them. And uh, other fighters like, you know, uh, you know Raquel Pennington, Tisha Torres, Amanda Nunes, Nina Ansaroff, they're in each other's corners, but but they're, they're fighters both in the UFC, right? So that's a little bit different. But... I think it's 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 important for you to have someone in the corner who you have a connection with and who you trust. Like that's so important, and it's also like it can pump you up. Like I told my my best friend Leo, I said, if I, dude, if I get uh, uh, an MMA fight, even an amateur fight, I need you in my corner. And he was like, fuck yeah, dude. And that's the kind of energy I need. Someone who's gonna support me and 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 fucking, you know what I mean? So I support. You know, anyone having uh, a corner who is not necessarily fighter related, like Paul Felder brought his brother into his corner, where I think when he fought Stevie Ray, these some sometimes these things are important, but you got to have good technical advice. Also, you can't let that replace technique. You can't let that replace good advice. So, yeah, I guess those are my closing thoughts on that. Uh, if you want to join the forum, uh, it's very easy. Uh, on Fight Nights, um, usually before, during, 
or sometimes slightly after the main event. I'll put up the post. Um, look for that. It's always going to be my pinned tweet. So after the fight's over, you can go right to my, my page, FWM underscore pod on Twitter. You can find it there. But also, you can send them questions in throughout the week. You can email them to fightingwithmyselfpod at gmail.com. You can DM me. Uh, do it at the, uh, the FWM pod account. Uh, but you can also uh, send them in via Anchor, which is how most of those voice questions you heard were sent in. Uh, that's uh, anchor.fm slash fightingwithmyself slash message. Uh, you also just download the Anchor app and search Fighting With Myself. It's pretty easy. And um, without further ado, let's get into the preview for UFC Auckland. Just want to do something special for all the five fans in the world. The whole wide world. That is a tribute to one of my favorite bands, The Flight of the Concords, based out of New Zealand which is where this next UFC car is taking place. UFC Auckland next week, Saturday, February 22nd. Very excited for this card. Uh, and there's some banger fights on here, as Smokey J alluded to. And let's get right the fuck into it. Uh, I mentioned the prelims has uh, Angela Hill versus Loma Lugbumi. Super excited for that fight. Uh, Loma uh, looked good. I saw her uh, Invicta debut. Uh, last year, I believe, and uh, she looked like she had some things to work on in terms of her MMA game, but I was excited for it, and then when I saw her UFC debut against uh, Stitch Albu, uh, I was very uh, excited for what Loma brings to the table. That said, I said it before, I'm an Angela Hill fan. I do not get the hate for this chick. Uh, I think she's awesome. I love her personality. I love her backstory. I just love everything about Angela Hill. Uh, the fact that she has a Scottish husband for some reason, like, it's amazing, dude. Love Angela Hill. So uh, even though I know she's going to be a, probably a huge underdog, uh, whether or not the, uh, the lines reflect that, uh, I, I don't I don't care. But she's, she's going to fucking, I think she's going to do work in this fight. Next up, uh, Kai Kara France is taking on Tyson Nam. And Tyson Nam is really good. But uh, I'm always going to back Kai Kara France. Uh, he's a New Zealand guy. I think that's going to give him an edge here, fighting at home, things like that. Uh, and I'm just super excited for uh, uh, what he, he brings to the table. And I think he's going to... I wouldn't be surprised if he gets a knockout, dude. How about that? Yeah. I think a knockout from Kai Kara France. Another fight that I'm really looking forward to on the prelims is Emil Mech versus Jake Matthews. Now, I like Jake Matthews a lot, and uh, there's a lot of cool-ass Aussies that listen to my podcast, and they're like, fuck yeah, Jake Matthews. He's from Victoria, mate. And I got to say, I'm so sorry to be picking at your boy because I'm a big Emil Mech fan. I love this guy, the fucking Viking dude. Uh, I remember when he knocked out uh, Husamar Paul Harris to get his uh, UFC contract. That shit was amazing. He's like, here's this guy who, uh, you know, fucking gouges people in the eye and like grabs onto a heel hook and doesn't let go. And he's like, fuck, I'll fight him. And just knocks him clean out to get to the UFC. Uh, love Emil Mack. I was so sad when he got Russell fucked by Kamaru, dude. I was so sad. Especially when Kamaru got in the microphone and was like, 
That's 30% right there. I have just barely gotten to the point where I've forgiven Kamara for that. So, yeah, I got I to gotta pick Emil Mack. <laughs> but it's going to be a close, close fight. And uh, Jake Matthews is definitely the more well-rounded fighter. So I could see a situation where, where Jake gets a victory. But he also might, you know, check his ego or not check his ego, rather, and try and stand with him. And that might not be good. Now let's go on to the main card. Now this this is account for uh, the Fight Pick Championship that I'm involved in. Uh, I've been wanting to provide updates on that, but it's also hard because we don't get the results always on Sundays. That's when I record. Uh, the other thing is last week I, I forgot to fucking submit my pick, so I took a big fat goose egg um, on that. So it is what it is. Uh, next, but uh, opening with the main card, we got Kevin Aguilar taking on Zubaira Tukugov. And there's a lot of people who uh, are high on uh, Zubaira because he's uh, training partners with Khabib and things like that. And he's in that whole relation. I don't know if he's his cousin or whatever the fuck. But honestly, Zubaira's on, Zubaira's on my fucking list, dude. Zubaira's on my fucking list. And I don't need to explain why. So I'm taking Kevin Aguilar. I also really like Kevin Aguilar. Uh, I, like, I like the way he comes to fight. And uh, Zubaira looked like shit in his last performance, to be honest with you. So... They could be in the layoff. Maybe he's uh, gonna be better this time, but I'm still team Kevin Aguilar, baby. Next up, we got Brad Rydell taking on Magomed Mustafaev. Now, I really like Brad Rydell's last fight at uh, I think it was at UFC 243. They though him and his his opponent they fucking came to fight, dude. That was a, a dog fight, and so I'm looking for him to do the same thing and hopefully come out on top. Uh, I think uh, I think it's going to be a really really exciting showing. Uh, next up, uh, the Aussies might hit me again because I'm going to pick against another Aussie uh, in uh, Ben Salsley, the Combat Wombat. Uh, I just think he didn't uh, make a good showing for himself against Greg Hardy and Marcos Rogério de Lima can crack. Uh, he can also he has good submissions. I think he has like a, a couple arm triangles on his record or whatever. Um, so I, I could see him implementing that game plan here. Um, Jose de Lima is probably all, the second shortest heavyweight behind uh, uh, Latifi now, by the way. Uh, oh, and next up I got uh, Jan Shaunan beating Karolina Kovalkiewicz. As much as it breaks my heart to say... Uh, I think uh, Carolina hasn't been the same since she lost to Joanna. And she lost to Joanna and Claudia back to back, and then, like, just Gundraj knocked her out. Like, uh, I love Carolina, but I, I don't have faith in her uh, recently. I just don't, and it makes me sad to say that. Uh, next up is uh, Jimmy Crute taking on Michael Olechuk. Now, I might have to go into hiding because I'm picking against the Aussie again. Um, this uh, Polish guy, Michael Oleksiejczuk, I'm really uh, I'm really high on him. Uh, I think he's a fucking animal in the cage. And uh, I'm, I'm picking him right now. I might... My, I, I might... Uh, I, I like Jimmy Crew a lot too, so I'm, I might go back on that. I'm not sure. It's going to be a close fight. I think I think it goes a distance, or 
well, the way these guys fight, you probably see like a second or third round knockout, but um, they're going to meet in the middle and they're going to trade. Although Michael probably going to wrestle fuck him a little bit. And now we have the main event of the evening. And you know what? I've been looking for this fight for a long time. Paul Felder versus Dan Hooker. Uh, quick shout out to Liss. I think her handle is MX Liss, L-Y-S-S. If you just look up L-Y-S-S, that's how you spell her name, Liss. I think you'll find it. Um, it's probably still her pinned tweet. She did a thread on the like buildup between them. And it is the most obsessed I have ever seen anyone get with this fight. So uh, kudos to her for, for putting that together. I thought it was incredible to put together the timeline. And I'm super pumped for this fight, dude. I was in the building, uh, UFC Atlantic City, when Hooker knocked out Jim Miller, which was really sad. And then he gets on the mic and Paul Felder's interviewing him. And he's like, I've been looking for a ranked opponent. I just so happened to be standing across the cage from a ranked opponent. And just basically they said, you know, cards on table, I'll fight you. Uh, and Paul Feather was like, yeah, I've been looking for someone with the guts to call me out. So, yeah, let's 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 get it going. Let's ask Sean Shelby or whatever, uh, which I thought was interesting. And then apparently he talked to him backstage at the bar afterward and was like, hey, listen, I think I'm already signed to fight James Vick. I think that's already kind of in the works. Uh, but if that falls through, I'll, I'll fight you. So, um and, and Paul Felder, when he made that meme to get the fight, dude, when he's like made a hooker that was like looking for a fight and it was like a, an actual like hooker prostitute, I thought that was funny as fuck. And then Hooker was like, he's going to take a shot of my family name. I'm going to give my kids to that name. I'm going to pass on my name. It's my father's name. And he just started like taking it personally, like it's an attack on his lineage. I was like, oh God, dude. Hooker's a bit too aggy for me, you know what I mean? But like, um, love him. Shout out to my my friend Leo. Uh, Dan Hooker is his favorite fighter, and that's mostly because I told him it is. <laughs> because he would always, he always like, whenever uh, Dan Hooker is fighting, he'll like message me like, "Dude, Dan Hooker's fighting," and I'll forget. I mean, now he's been on the main been on the main car recently and and things like that. But before, like, if uh, if uh, Dan Hooker was like on the prelims or whatever, if I forgot. He'd be like reminding me, be like, yeah, Dan Hooker. I'd be like, shit, dude. He must be your favorite fighter. So I would always I would always tell him that. And I think when he came on my show, I think he doubled down and I think he's like finally made like, yeah, that is my favorite fighter. Uh and so uh I'm gonna go against my boy. I'm just for some reason I'm just being so fucking uh like antagonistic or whatever. <laughs> just being like a, a contrarian, that's the word. I'm being a contrarian. And uh, I'm gonna pick Paul Felder, mostly cause America. Mostly because Paul Felder uh, is from Philly or Philadelphia, um, Pennsylvania, anyway, and uh, it's very close to me in my part of the world. I also love the camp he's at right now, which is Rufus Sport. Um, anyone not named Macy Barber that trains out of there, fights out of there, I'm gonna I'm gonna pick. So Paul Felder, uh, I think he gets it done. Probably the distance. Dan Hooker is so goddamn tough. They're both goddamn tough that I don't think uh, a stoppage is going to happen either way. I think it's going to be... Well, honestly, I could see Dan Hooker getting a submission. That's why they call him the hangman because um, he gets that neck. But uh, other than that, but Paul Feller's got really good sub-defense. 
and uh, a good takedown defense as well. So honestly, I, th- I see this being a five-round war, and I'm fucking into it, dude. I'm so excited for this fight. I can't wait. So um, I almost want to end the podcast to like get to this fight sooner, but that's not going to happen. That's not, not how time works. But um, I want to I want to give a sincere thank you to anyone listening to me. It really means a lot um, that people support me. And uh, I'm coming up on uh, a one-year uh, anniversary, if you will, of this show uh, in a few weeks. Um, well, for a couple of months. Uh, I think I think April first was my first show, and uh, I couldn't be here without you guys. You make this show possible, so it doesn't go unnoticed, and uh, it's definitely not. Uh, I'm definitely grateful. So you can find me on uh, Twitter and Instagram at fwm underscore pod. Uh, if you're interested in keeping up my day-to-day life, you can follow me at Aaronish Jackson on Twitter. Um, although I post a lot of MMA stuff there too. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, leave me a goddamn five-star review, huh? Shouts to all the ones I've been getting. Genghis left a really nice one, actually. And it was the week that I shouted him out, but I didn't find that until after. Uh, and I meant to say that on my shout out. This is like beginning of January, and I was like, "Dude, I fucking I missed out." But it was a really awesome inter- uh, review that you left, Genghis. I fucking loved it. And then someone else left one recently, like Doc Markham, and I, I went to go look on Twitter, and I was like, "Where? Who is this person?" And I couldn't find him, or at least couldn't be sure that it was it was them. So uh, I love all the all reviews I get. They're amazing. That you guys are the best. I say it all the time. I have the best listeners, and I really mean that. So, um, that being said, good night and good fights.